Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 298 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host for the next couple hours of intense game discussion. Riding shotgun with me today, I have Matt Kyle. What's going on, Matt? How are you, brother? All right, not much. How's your week been? Slow. <laughs> it's insane how slow it is right now, people. Holy moly. Um... The crazy part, though, is so much stuff happened this week. We have tons of topics today. I think the most topics we've had in an episode of Game Face in maybe over a year, it is, it's going to be like machine gun fire today. So if you're one of those people who watches Game Face, you're like, oh, Shane and Matt talk too long about certain stuff. That's not going to be a problem today. We have 12 topics to get through in today's episode, and I think all of them are interesting. I think we're going to have a great show. Um, but yeah, holy moly, man. Like, it is so slow. I talked on... Um, Good Morning Gaming on the episode that went up this morning about the MPD report that came out. And that's not even in the show today. We're not even including MPDs. But the MPD report came out yesterday. Almost all those games bombed, Matt, that hmm. came out in, like, February and March. One And part of it, obviously, is how well Elden Ring did because it got that 9.7. And it seems like a lot of people had to make a decision, and they're just like, I'm going to go with the 9.7. Even games like um, Horizon Forbidden West, which we're gonna actually going to talk about on today's show again, um, even it, like in the second month of sales, it dropped down to the fifth slot. Um, that's not encouraging for the sales of that game, um, that it had a pretty strong first month, and then the second month is already down to fifth. Um, and it came, what, what was its release date in February? Was it late February? Um, what was? Horizon. Horizon Wasn't it like Horizon mid? Horizon was like the 18th. The 18th, yeah. So it only had 10 days on sale in February, mm. and then all of March... And then all of March's sales, it still only came in at fifth on mm. the sales charts. And obviously, the game's available for PS PS4, which has hundred and some million install base. Um, that's not encouraging. Why would you think that that happened, Matt? Is it uh, all Elden Ring? Because they're not including digital sales. Yeah, but I mean that's the same for all the games on the MPD report. They're all on the same footing. Um, I don't know if they all are because I think it depends who doesn't some some report and some don't. Um, no, they don't. Like, the mm. MPD reports are generated evenly across all yeah, games. I, I think, I mean, I think Elden Ring, uh, certainly dominated, but, like, um, digital sales are becoming more and more of a, of a force, and I wouldn't be surprised if most of them are selling, uh, digital. Okay, Vincent says they do include digital, but Tiny Tina doesn't. So every game but one didn't include digital? That's odd. Nintendo and 2K do not report digital sales. Interesting. Okay. So um, most games are on equal footing, but yeah. not all. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Horizon probably isn't, for one thing, isn't coming in that high because it's only on PlayStation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wonder if there's a lot of people who are waiting to play it on PS5 um, and so aren't buying it. Because they don't then. have a PS5 yet? Yeah. That's possible. Um you know, and some, these exclusives sometimes are kind of a slow. Maybe there's a contingent of people that are waiting to play it on PC. Who knows? Yeah. Um, well, they may be waiting a long time for that one. But, like but you're right. The, yeah. the seed's planted now. Yeah. That if you wait long enough, you can play Sony's first-party games on PC. And mm. they've been pretty good. The ports have been all right. So, in some cases, on equal footing, at least, yeah. with well, the Horizon PlayStation 4 version. fixed pretty hard, but they did fix it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, uh... I think we're going to have to wait and see what Sony's, you know, total sales are on that mm -hmm. way. If they ever announce it, who knows? They usually do. Sony's yeah. pretty good about reporting sales. Well, when the games do well. 
<laughs> you end up getting the numbers. When they don't, you end up having to find out from the developer a lot of times how the game sold, like Days Gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sony wasn't very forthright with the sales for that game. No, I can imagine. Although they, they did do an anniversary stream for it mm-hmm. uh, the other day. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Elden Ring just dominating. It really crushed a lot of big games that came out. And my contention in today's Good Morning Gaming, if you haven't listened to it yet, and you should when you get up in the morning and you're getting ready for work or whatever, but if you haven't, my contention is that these publishers were idiotic for jamming all these games into February and March, and here we are sitting in April and May with nothing to play. Mm-hmm. Now, I get part of that was we need to get it out before the end of the quarter, but mm-hmm. is it really worth it, Matt, to get a game out at the end of the quarter and have it tank? Versus waiting an extra month or two? Well, I wouldn't call any of that tanking. Um, I mean, if you look at the numbers, Matt, like some of the games in this that were available in February and then came to March ended up getting getting beat in March by like Madden, mm-hmm. which means that there was like 15,000 sales probably. Um, and I mean, part of it is because I don't think anyone expected Elden Ring to do what it did. Sure. It, um, caught, it caught people off guard because, somewhat. Because like, you're talking about selling double what any of the other... You know, it's certainly early on what any other mm-hmm. from games have ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, from games are important from the, you know have been important in the enthusiast realm, but like you never had to plan your release dates around them before. Yep. Uh, now I'd say you do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Weird, don't you think? Mm, I mean, I, it, Horizon's weird that it wouldn't do a little better, yeah. um, but maybe not. I don't know. Like it's also kind of a weird time where like. Um, you know, the world was kind of struggling to come back a little bit and people were going out and doing things and, you know, it's... I'm out and about a lot more mm-hmm. than I was this time last year. See that's how for long sure. all that lasts. Yeah, but, things uh, are starting to look a little dicey again. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know why that would have happened. Yeah. Um, unless it's just, it's just people bought Elden Ring and didn't want to spend another 60 bucks on something else. Yeah. Uh, Dying Light 2 does seem to have... It didn't even sort of make it into on. the chart in mm-hmm. the second month, Matt. Mm-hmm. It did well. It it debuted. I forget that that came out. Right. It, I'm I'm about to go back to it. It debuted in February fourth, mm-hmm. and then in March, not even in the top twenty. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna have to. I guess they're gonna have to hope that they um, that that Dying Light Two sort of like has the long legs of the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it hasn't sold badly. No, no. It hasn't um, tanked, so to speak. But, like, I would expect after kind of the support they showed Dying Light 1 and the, and the kind of sales over time uh, that that game got that maybe they, 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 it would have gained enough recognition and reputation that people would have jumped in on the sequel faster. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe they're prepared for that. I don't know. It's, it sounds like Dying Light 2 did sell a little better than the first one did. Oh, yeah, out of the gate it did so, for its first month, for sure. Um, it, I guess it kind of depends how realistic. Uh, I mean, you're right, though. Techland's probably sitting there saying, actually, yeah, not bad. we're doing better than we did with the we're first ahead game. We're ahead of where we were We're ahead before. of the curve. Yeah. Although you do assume that the new one costs more than the yeah. first one. But uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I sit there and wonder about a lot of business plans yeah. right now. <laughs> For like, sure. There's a lot of things why, that confuse why me. Why would you buy that? <laughs> Uh, why would why would you uh, decide that your next Spider-Man verse movie is going to be El Muerto, right? Um, a character who has appeared in two issues of comics. Yeah, um, I guess it's because Bad Bunny wants to do it, and Bad Bunny is super hot right now. Um, I guess you better hope Bad Bunny's still super hot in twenty twenty four. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Like, there's a lot of, you know, they announced that they're doing a, they're finally doing a Robotech movie. Yeah, I mean, the Robotech movie's been in development hell for over a decade now, but now mm-hmm. Sony says, we're really doing it with a guy directed Hawkeye. And yeah. I'm like, okay, that seems like a series of bad decisions waiting to happen, but here <laughs> we are. Um, you know, there's a lot of that going. You know, the, the, the internal documents about CNN Plus just came out, where it turned out that they expected CNN Plus to be making a billion dollars in revenue by year four. And instead, they're shutting it down after 22 days. Well, that's because the new owners had told them, actually, they were going to shut down CNN mm-hmm. Plus once the deal went through. And I think CNN was just being bullheaded and was like, well, we worked on this yeah. really hard. Well, and- well, they were like, oh, well, everyone's going to be so excited and subscribe to it in such huge numbers that they're not going to be able to shut it down. Right. And then it was like, no one cared. Yeah. Like- There's a certain level of, um, and I talked about this in Good Morning Gaming today as well, hubris, mm-hmm. where it's a fine line between between being really confident in something that you're working on and a product that you're working on and being overconfident oh, yeah. and making well, poor decisions because you're overconfident. Right. Well, and also, I've, I mean, I have been in the room when an executive type person uh, who has dedicated a lot of time and effort and convincing to a certain strategy or direction is told by the numbers, by the stats, by the facts this is not something anyone wants. Mm-hmm. And they will just double down. A lot of because, times they will. Because the only other option is to say, I've been wrong for two years. Yep. <laughs> and most and execs do not want that's to do not, that. Yeah, not an alpha move, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> um, so that's then they'll just be like, well, I disagree. And they'll be like, the numbers don't care. Yeah, it doesn't like, matter whether you agree or disagree. Yeah. Um, there. Look, there are some things. That's what happens when you have people who are making these decisions are put in place because they have a marketing degree and a connection in the networking meeting, as opposed to they work their way up through the corp- the company, right. through the production process. Right. Yeah. They've actually got their hands dirty doing mm-hmm. the work. It's true. Uh, let's see. Let's head over to chat before we get started on the episode proper. Um, we are Game Phase. We are supported 100% by Patreon. Uh, head to patreon.com slash sifted and give us a pledge. We really need the help right now. I, I say it week after week. I'm not lying. I'm just being honest with you guys. Um, if you ever thought about helping us and supporting us in any way, now is the time. Again, that's at patreon.com slash sifted. Um, let's see what we got going on here. Barry Lomax, thank you for gifting a tier one sub. That's awesome. Corey Film, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, I think these were from last week. Giant Pile, Mr. 60, Texture Glitch, and Wampler 13. If not, mm-hmm. thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, yeah, everyone's saying hello after those. So. Yeah. Uh, let's see. McWomble, thank you for Twitch Prime. Uh, McWomble says, Shane's in a shirt. Is it a special occasion? <laughs> I guess I'm wearing a button-up shirt today instead of a t-shirt. It makes a difference. Um, was Shane nude last week? <laughs> no. De- that would have definitely been a thing if that had been the case. Um, FF8 Master C, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, uh, Vincent says Dying Light 2 has passed 5 million total. Yeah, I saw it did like 4 plus million in its first month. Yeah, and that's uh, that's 2K, so it wouldn't include uh, digital. And this is weird. Vincent Which says weird. Dying why Light you, 2 why, didn't you, include why? digital last month. Why would it pick and choose what months it chooses to include digital. I don't know. Why wouldn't you report digital? I don't know. That's really weird. Why would you under-report your sales? I don't know. Very weird. I mean, Nintendo's going to Nintendo, but why right. would 2K do it? Yeah, well, usually you just don't report yeah. <laughs> instead of under-reporting. Uh, Aussie Brit 2000 thank you for Twitch Prime. 44 months, man. Thank you very much. That makes a big difference for us. Thank you for sticking with it. Now that um, is Warner. So why is Warner not reporting it? Yeah, bizarre. Um, Game Face needs to be on OnlyFans. Make mad money there, guys. <laughs> I don't think that would work out well for us. 
at all, unfortunately. <laughs> but it does seem to work for a lot of people, Matt. Mm-hmm. Only fans. Um, typically, it seems like it's females that it works well for. But Younger yeah. is, is probably the key there. <laughs> yep. Not our wheelhouse, I would say. Uh, so anyway, I think we're ready to get on with the show. Again, we have 12 topics today. Uh, so this show is going to move a little quicker than you guys are probably used to. Um, you have to stay on your toes a little bit on chat. Uh, we will c- kind of go to you guys after every topic um, to see if you guys have something to say about what Matt and I said about a topic. So we aren't going to exclude you guys out of the show because we have so much to get to. Uh, but you do have to pay a little more attention and kind of get your questions in when Matt and I are wrapping up a topic so we can get you guys into the show. And with that, let's get going. We're going to talk first about God of War Ragnarok. This week, Matt, was the four-year anniversary of God of War, the reboot from 2018. Sony Santa Monica, the studio behind the game, and the sequel Ragnarok went on Twitter and posted a message to fans. And the message to fans really wasn't much of a message at all. Corey talked about it. Oddly enough, it was 420. So he he made a point several times to say, have a great 420. Um, And then he talked about how they're proud of God of War from 2018 and, you know, how it was so eye-opening when they finally released it and all the work that they had done. Everyone else was able to check it out. And then he really said very little about God of War Ragnarok. He said, there's so much that we're working on here, but it's not ready to be shown. And my, a lot of people, myself included, were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, we're at worst case scenario, eight months out from release at this point. Mm-hmm. That's worst case scenario. And there's nothing that you can show right now? Um, because they're waiting for their showcase thing in May. Do you think that's why? Yeah. Like, if they don't show do their usual, like, May blowout of the big game of the year thing that they always do or have done the last several years, then I'll be worried about God of War. But I'm not. Well, fans freaked out. The internet freaked out. Twitter well, what's new? Twitter, <laughs> Twitter freaked out. And it was, to me, a little bit of a red flag. And one of their developers went into one of the threads and said, Ragnarok is coming in 2022. Mm-hmm. And he misspelled Ragnarok, I would add, which was a little odd for someone who spends every waking moment of their lives working on the game. But one, and one of their developers did go on and say, it's coming this year. Is there nothing mm-hmm. to worry about, Matt? I wouldn't think so. I mean, if they don't show anything in May, then I'll be a little concerned. But again, like I said, that, that board in Portugal rated it, already threw it through a rating system, which usually means five to six months. Yeah. Like, so I, I think it'll be October. Do you think Corey Barlog just... Use a poor choice of words there. No, I think he used a pretty rational choice of words, and the internet doesn't know how to fucking read things properly. Like it's well, he it's, said there's nothing ready to show you. Yeah, guys. because they're preparing everything for a big showing in a month. Like there's nothing ready to show you because the thing we want to show you is scheduled to be shown in May. Well, do you think it would have been better for him to say because we have a big show coming up in the next month or two? Maybe, but like that's probably not his call. Yeah. Um, you know, that probably is something you'd have to clear with marketing and this may have just been something to decide, "Oh, let's just send something out because marketing doesn't want to talk about anything yet, but like we want to talk to people because it's the anniversary and and people want to know and people mm-hmm. are starting to be like, "Hey, where's God of War? I haven't heard anything about God of War." Um, because that has definitely been a sentiment I've seen in the last few weeks. Like, yeah, got a war, and then this happened on top of it. Yeah, so, um, I think it's just people freaking out about nothing. Like, I, I, I'll, wor- I'll worry about it if they don't show anything next month. Yeah, it is a little peculiar that we're so close to its release, assuming that it does come out this year, and all we have so far is like a three-minute trailer. Um, because it know. doesn't usually pull the Bethesda stuff, Sony. It doesn't usually like put something out and then we wait 
years before we get something else. It's, no, but at the same time, considering this game and its reputation, I can understand why you'd want to like really be careful with what you're showing and only show stuff that's really close to done. And mm-hmm. it's you know, I'm sure they, there's an insane amount of polish on that uh, three minutes they've shown. No, I mean um, we're seeing it right now, yeah. so. And so, like, yeah, I, I think uh, very carefully controlling this is a good idea. Um, and it's not like people are going to like be like, well, you didn't show me enough footage in 2021, yeah. so I'm not buying <laughs> this game. Like, it's, oh, I don't think there's any worries about people not no, buying the there's game. No, yeah. like, you, you're, you, the, the ball is entirely in their court on this, and they can show as much or as little of this game as they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like they're going to opt for as little at this point. <laughs> um, but I'm sure we'll, you know, I imagine we'll get the big May blowout thing, and we'll get a big gameplay demo like Horizon and Last of Us got. And we'll get probably another trailer and some behind the scenesy things as we get later in the summer. Um, probably maybe something at Gamescom or a little little snippet of something at Gamescom, mm-hmm. and then it'll come out in October. Yeah, I, I mean, mean Games, at Gamescom actually, I would imagine they probably drop the uh, uh, developer final, walkthrough, developer walkthrough and stuff. And like May, I bet we'll get like the pre-orders to go up for the collector's edition or whatever statue they're trying to mm-hmm. give away for this one. Um, I actually expect the collector's edition on this one to be obscene. Like, I think it was going to be, like, a $200, like, huge statue, like, old. Because <laughs> you can get away with it with this one. Like, yeah. people, people buy that. Um, or, like, a life-size replica of the axe or something, you know? <laughs> Made out of plastic or rubber, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it To me, it just feels like the messaging. They just kind of screwed up the messaging here. They could have been much more clear and kept fans from losing their crap and... But, I guess, but like people don't always think about you know I, if you if I read that if you if Corey had shown me that message ahead of time and I'd have been like, yeah, people are gonna read that as we're working on as like we're not remotely done with the game as opposed to like we are working on a big thing we're gonna show you yeah. and it's not ready to show you yet because it's not scheduled to be shown until like May twentieth or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but in his head, you know, working on doesn't mean oh my god we're horribly behind schedule and nothing will ever come out. It means we're working on this right now because that's yeah. what they're doing. Like it's, it's um, it basically he's not taking into account how panicky and irrational <laughs> people online are. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, Matt, do you think there's any danger of this game losing a little bit of its luster because it's taken so long? I mean, at the same time, it's like, it's not like we've had a ton of games that are exclusive to PS five that are going to make it look bad. I mean, here we are so far into this life cycle. We're still having games that straddle both generations. Um, do you no. think there's any danger of this game kind of looking behind the curve a little bit technically? Zero. Yeah. Um, both by what we're seeing and because nobody's going to care. No. Like, this is one of the only games that people I know who don't know anything about games or game news who just play games very, very casually. This is the game. This is the one game that they all ask me, are they doing another one of those? Mm-hmm even now yeah and so i say yeah they're probably this year and they're like oh wow and like and and you know one of the uh, the ones who don't have one already album's like oh i gotta find a ps5 before that yeah like so yeah i mean people are willing to make a 500 hundred dollar purchase that is not the easiest 500 hundred dollar purchase to make even if you have 500 hundred dollars uh to prepare to play this game even the people that aren't like super gamer people so uh yeah i think they're fine like this it's not going to be an issue and and look like most people do not have the eye for what constitutes next gen or last gen anything, um, and the line is very blurry as it is. Uh, for God's sake, No Man's Sky looks really good now on PS5. Yeah, it does. So, yeah. like, yeah, it's not going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, No Man, it's four years old, but that the original game still looks great anyway. It does. Like, 
Yeah, as long, especially if you put the the sixty frames patch on the PS Five, like it's, it looks like it could have come out last year. It's yeah, ridiculous. Like Sony Santa Monica is ahead of the curve in the way Insomniac is. You know, it's just it's it's hard to judge their stuff by the standards of the day. Yeah, um, the reason I brought it up is because I have gone back, and we're going to talk about it next. I have gone back, and I've been playing, trying to finish Horizon Forbidden West, mm-hmm. and I I feel like it is a little bit in that class at this point like where it it i don't know it it could look better i guess is what i'm getting at yeah everything could look better yeah i mean but sure everything could always look better but i'm saying it could look better if it were just a ps5 game that they had just focused 100 on ps5 i don't know about that you think that's what we're gonna get at open world games on ps5 that's the kind of the limit um i mean i don't think it's the limit but it's like probably the limit right now yeah um that's a little disappointing to me honestly I mean, I think Horizon looks amazing. So I think, like, but here's the thing, Matt. It looks amazing think... on PS4. Like, yeah. it, it literally, like, there's very little... Di- here, it's probably the best-looking PS4 game. Mm-hmm. And there's very, to me, there's very little difference between the PS4 and the PS5 versions of that game. Well, I mean, it runs way better on PS5. Sure. That's the, yeah. main, that's the, frame the main thing. Solid, yeah. Um, and some people would say that's more important. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would, but, like... For that game, maybe not. Um, I don't really care, I, mm-hmm. I guess I would say. Like, you know, it looks great. It looks better than the last one. It looks better than most of the other things I play. You know, like, I don't know if it outdoes Ghost of Tsushima for me. I mean, I think technically it's better than Ghost of Tsushima, but I think Ghost of Tsushima, in terms of art direction and color usage, is more impressive. Yeah, like, agreed. Even though it's probably not technically as good. Yeah, um, it's probably not pushing as many polygons. Or... No, I don't think the draw distances, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you're certainly not getting the vistas that uh, Horizon has. Yeah. Um, uh, but I but I stopped and went whoa more often in Tsushima, mm-hmm. um, whereas Horizon is more like oh that's really I really like this area and I got here's here's a you know the, the the vistas and the and the rises and the cliff stuff like there's a lot of stuff in there that I know like you couldn't have done in the first one yeah and part of that is not the power of the PS5 part of that is how much better they are working with that engine and some of that might have been help from Kojima's team on uh, Death Stranding, because yeah. Death Stranding also did a lot to ex- kind of expand the horizon, no pun intended, yeah. uh, on that engine. For sure. And what they did there, uh, the, you know, the facial text way better. Like, that's the stuff that, like, matters the most to me, is, like, making these people look like real people who are really talking to each other. Like, that's, a, you know, and that's sort of a, uh, an, a and it may be something that should have been there in the first place, in the first game, but, like, hey, I'll take it, you know? Um, there is a huge jump in the quality of the characters and the character design in this one. That uh, and if they can get that to work on PS4, great. Like you're basically just turning down sliders and hoping nobody notices. And for the most part, I think you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of ultra versus medium settings can be like that even on PC games. Um, it's not. I, I don't. I don't. I just kind of struggle to to see what people are talking about when they say like, oh, this could have been. What if it was only on PS5? Like, would God of War have been substantially different if it was only on PS5? I don't really think so. I guess like. Well, here's God of War 2018. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I struggle to see much of an upgrade for Ragnarok. I, there's a lot more particle effects going on. Uh, there's more things on screen. I mean, that could just um, be the scene, though. The texture. I mean, I've played God of War, though. I know how many people can get on screen, and they're, they're, you know, they're already showing way more activity in a, in a fight in in that three-minute footage. I think the, the textures on the walls and stuff are much better. Um, I mean, some of that's just, you know, four years later, mm-hmm. you're going to learn how to do more. Uh, it's just how, you know, the curve goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, but also like there's a, there is definitely an and if it ain't broke don't fix it thing. Um, and in terms of God of War, I am much more interested in finding out what happens rather than seeing a technological like breakthrough. Um, 
I, I'll be I honest with you. I greedily, I would prefer the God of War, the PS5 only game. I mean, we're um, like two years into the PS5. Like, I would be more sympathetic to that viewpoint if it was more readily able to buy a PS5. Yeah. I mean, um, it's just crazy what we're Because otherwise, dealing. you're kind of just locking people out. This is um, unprecedented, what we're dealing with right mm-hmm. now. This has never happened before. I mean, it's bad Even enough you'd be locking out people who can't afford a $500 video game console. But you're locking up people who can and just can't get one. Right. That has never um, And I know that wasn't in their heads when they started doing, you know, dual generation development. The reason you do that is because you don't want to cut out the millions and millions and millions of PS4 owners from giving you your money, their mm-hmm. money. Um, but, yeah, I, I really don't think it's that big a deal. Like, it's, it's you know, the the especially since the, the, you know, the, the upgrade in uh, in hardware on the new system is mostly bells and whistles like it's it's speed of 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 loading and it's you know the ray tracing if you want to lose some frame rate performance and you know just sort of general details and sort of the amount of stuff that happens and that's all stuff you can scale up and down with basically a detail slider well Um, for example just this week playstation is finally launching the variable refresh rates on ps5 yeah is finally being enabled this week. This console has been out for how long? This was mm-hmm. promised at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it takes. It seems to take them a while on some of this stuff. Like, yeah. look how, even how long it took them to just tell you which hard drive to use to right. upgrade the thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what would what caused that. Like, that, I don't really have a theory on that one. But uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I in the same way, I don't like. I don't really see. A lot of people on PC complaining that like they have the super high end car. If you can find one of the super, yeah, you can't find one of those either. And like, but I don't see a lot of people complaining. Like, oh, this game wasn't made, you know, was made and it still runs on like a Titan X, so it sucks because like they should have been. But like, it's not really a thing. Like, I don't, you know, if the hardware is is the same kind of, you know, hardware is just the same. It's just more powerful. You can just sort of up the thing. You know, it's just just that's basically. Yeah, I mean, look, there's supposed to be ray tracing and. All this stuff, but a lot of that be. stuff, like only a trained eye even notices it. Yeah. And so. there will be, like, there will yeah. be a mode where you can do that, and it'll look great. And uh, you know, and again, it's not like top of the line ray tracing. Is you know, it's just yeah. you know, it's not going to be. It's like, like we can get it to work. It works. It's there. <laughs> You'll yeah. notice it. Yeah. It's not like you know, like even, but even like you look at Miles Morales, and it's like it looks great, but they're not reflecting every single right. car and even every ratchet. Thing. It's just there to make you, you know, your eye sees it and your brain acknowledges it, and it just makes it feel more real. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and like, yeah, there's things to be, you know, I, I wonder what like the Demon Souls remake would look like if it was also on PS4. Mm-hmm. Like, would it would it still be as kind of lush no as way. what is there? I don't think that there's any way it would. Well, be. I think it would be, though. I, th- I think it would just wouldn't look like that on PS4. Like, it, you're talking about detail sliders. You're not talking about, you know, the game itself. The game, the Demon Souls itself is still Demon Souls. Like, that ran on a PS3. You know, there's nothing that's doing geometry wise or gameplay wise that couldn't have been done two systems ago it's just detail it's just sliders like you theoretically could have done a ps4 version i mean that's not 100 percent true i mean you have to program certain things like ray tracing to get it to work it's not just a slider yeah but there's a but ray tracing is that you turn it on you turn it off after you programmed it you can turn it on and turn it off yeah but there's nothing stopping you from doing that on the ps5 version if you've got a ps4 version both the spider-mans do it and they have ps4 versions yeah a lot of it, I think, has to do with studio bandwidth and things yeah. like that as well. Um, and and if I you're think Sony's being was, paid by a publisher. And Sony and, took a while to kind of feel out whether it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like the you know, a lot of the improvements on the performance with those modes like came after release with Spider-Man, and I think part of that was just bandwidth um, or time the company had. 
to work on that. That's obviously that is not a thing you need to worry about just getting it out the door. You know, like yeah. you're, you're not going to lose sales on that. It's more of a nice to have. Um, and I'm sure God of War will have some some similar stuff going on. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I, I don't think it's really in danger of uh, missing the year, but obviously it always could happen. <laughs> I don't make declarations like that anymore. <laughs> I really think that this is. I really think God of War is is ninety percent going to make it. So, I've thought that about so many games. Yeah, but I think that about very few games. Yeah, and uh, I'm usually right. Yeah. Um. I I don't see this one missing. Uh. It's it's too important. It's too important to the schedule. Would it would it ruin everything if it moved to like February? No. Like someone so- in chat was asking, um, because Sony has a deal with Hogwarts Legacy, mm-hmm. if God of War then could be expendable. No. In Q4, not a chance. I mean, look, you could still move it to the next quarter and make a lot of money, but it's it's an excellent Thanksgiving sales thing mm-hmm. um and they got you know as long as hogwarts is going to make it in september and it looks like it is going to make a september hell or high water whether it's finished or not yeah because uh, warner brothers just seems to have made some declarations mm-hmm. um same with, with lego star wars that game wasn't done it really wasn't done there which was, is hard to believe i it was in development for i ran so into so many bugs in that game the farther was, i got into it the yeah. more buggy it got yep. yeah it was like there were like things i had to restart the game to get rid of and stuff yeah. very unusual and i have there's a couple quests in there i was really open world in it for a while in there and i just started hitting tons of quests that just weren't triggering and i couldn't you know resetting reloading everything restarting the I system hate when you have to start and like, doing was, i'm stuff. just like well the only thing to do is wait for a patch yeah like, there's nothing you can do yeah and so I'm like, i've stopped playing it because i'm like i'll wait until you finish the fucking game yeah. after four years that's it's hard to believe. um yeah so it but really I, again i think they had a hard deadline like this is coming out now and whatever yeah and I expect a big old patch for that game to be along <laughs> any moment now. Do you guys but, um, think that God of War is coming out this year for sure? How confident are you guys? Let us know in the chat. Um, I'm real confident about it in October yeah. for that one. Million Miles Away. Thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. We appreciate it. Let's see if anyone else slid in here at the last minute. Darmist, thank you for Twitch Prime as well. Um, Congrim says this actually mimics the trickle of information drips from 2018. I do not remember exactly how the last one was promoted do you mm-hmm. i mean it wasn't a, there wasn't a lot like i don't remember knowing a, or knowing or seeing a ton of it yeah like there were still a lot of questions about that game when it came out um because like we'd seen it was different we'd seen that it was mm-hmm. yeah but like in the end um like there i just i remember playing the game and, re- and feeling like there was a lot to discover you know because they did that one the one demo that was like the beginning like where he teaches atreus to yep. hunt yep and we, we didn't really see anything else for a long time. Like they, they really seemed to just let that one thing, one thing speak for itself for a long time. Yep. Um, it's also notable that like it, yeah, it also speaks somewhat to my point. Like no one remembers the pre-release stuff once the thing's out. Even we don't. It's our job. <laughs> it's hard to remember everything. Um, at a certain point, I think your brain just turns it off it's like okay i'm good on that i don't need to know any more about it or i don't need to remember any more about it <clears throat> sneaky says tt switched to a new engine halfway through i was not mm-hmm. aware of that um, i mean it is a better engine i mean just the fact that i can invert the y oh yeah it's yeah. like because along for a long time for whatever reason the lego engine did not support that and it's maddening yep cinetike i'm confident but not sure um justin Horman, i wouldn't put it on my draft <laughs> Cyber Exile seventy five percent, Norix Nessie fifty fifty. 
Scorpio, it's fine as we mentioned this, that a game dev set is coming in 2022. Mm. But still, that's not enough Who to ha- convince some people. Do I have that or you have that? You have it. I have that? Yeah. Yep. They just showed that- off Unreal 5, next-gen engine. How many true next-gen experiences will be ready before year's end? I don't know. Not, Zero. Like that many, like none. Zero. Yeah. Commander I mean, like, Fed, I, I think it'll get pushed to next March or April. Not Saturday 75%, but my fantasy draft says 100%. It wouldn't be April. It wouldn't drop out of the quarter. Yeah. Um, it would be before then. It would, I, you'd, you'd push it to February. Yeah. Um, backlash if it's delayed? No. I mean, people would be mad, but it's not like they're going to not buy the game. Like, well, yeah. It's, it's not going to keep people from no. buying it, ultimately. I mean, it would be disappointing for Christmas, but like, you know, and Sony has done that before. You know, they did it with Horizon. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you don't get, you get, play Call of Duty, losers. I feel um, like that 75% figure probably is pretty accurate. Yeah, I, I would go even higher. I think this thing's ready. And Sony Santa Monica is pretty reliable. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I mean, not the call, the call, but how weird is the fucking Godzilla King Kong thing? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> like, I thought that was going to be like a Fortnite thing where, like, they were fighting in the background of the level. Or something. But you can just play as a guy who looks like Godzilla? What? Yeah, that, that trailer was really misleading. Yeah, to I say the least. I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> I, don't that I, <laughs> I was, I watched the trailer and I'm like, "What is this?" Yeah, I'm I, like, "Are you going to fight while they like destroy the arena?" Yeah, like, like, I, I thought it was going to be like that, like, <laughs> like what Fortnite did, where like you had the kaiju fight that happened. Yeah. And all, I thought, okay, they're cool. They're embracing that kind of thing. Like, that's yeah. a, no, it's just Godzilla and Kong and Mecha Godzilla outfits it's for a costume. Godzilla operator. I'm like, what? The- that was hanging fruit. That yeah. is the weirdest thing. I like they don't look bad. Yeah. But it's so weird. Well, it's because of the trailer. Yeah. yeah. But it I've was seen misleading. Yeah. yeah, but also like just a guy dressed as Godzilla. Like <laughs> in that it's okay. I mean, okay. Well, like, legitimately, isn't Godzilla really a guy dressed as Godzilla in yeah, the first place? <laughs> but he's usually not carrying a machine gun. That's true. <laughs> In the next one, in the next movie, I hope one of his his kill streak moves is breathing fire. Like, <laughs> or you can like slide a switch in the back of his head, and a piece of plastic comes out of his mouth with fire on it. Remember that the Godzilla that came out in like the eighties or whatever. Oh yeah, that was with was it with the Shogun Warriors? Shogun Warriors. Yeah, yeah. I still have that. And it had a switch, and his tongue was just a piece of plastic yep. that came out and had a sticker with fire on it. Yep. <laughs> and he shot his fist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because all the Shogun button, Warriors his fist shot would his fly fist. off. Yeah, you kids don't know how how good we had it, Matt I and I. Our toys. I'll say one thing: the toys weren't as um, safe back then. No. <laughs> I mean, that, like one kid swallowed and choked to death on a Battlestar Galactica missile, and every and missile, that was it. every Everything missile, changed. and every toy looks ridiculous forever. <laughs> it's like, true. Yeah. All right. So anyway, that's the latest update on God of War. I think I got all your takes out of chat at this point. Um, it looks like you guys have settled on around seventy five percent. It comes out this year. That sounds about right to me. Matt says a little bit higher. Uh, but I think we all agree that it's probably still going to make it this year, regardless of the weird messaging mm-hmm. that Corey Barlog put out there on 420. Um, all right, let's move on. Maybe that's where the messaging was. That might have been the problem. <laughs> We're working so hard. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> we were. But we were. We will be. It's not, it's, it's not ready. That's hilarious. <laughs> He's a good guy. So you just didn't read, you just didn't read it in the right. You're right. Tone. The- <laughs> and I'll be, this, I'll be honest, like he is very subdued. Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah he's, he's just kind of standing there. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just making what's probably gonna be the game of the year. It's, it's cool, you know, whatever. It's funny. Um, We've done this before. Yeah. 
Uh, okay. You played Elden Ring. Elden Ring's pretty good. We might not win against that one. We don't know. I don't know. We're working on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about another PlayStation exclusive and one that I have gone back to play because there's nothing else to play. Mm. And it's been about two months now since I had played the original batch of Horizon Forbidden West, and I had kind of forgotten how far I was into the game. And the first thing I will say is I was shocked at how far I was into the game. I had pretty much, I was on the home stretch already. Um, I kind of thought I was due to the goals that they had told you you needed to accomplish throughout the course of the game. Mm. I had basically accomplished all the ones that they had asked me to do, which usually means, okay, now you're moving on to the final act. And as it turns out, that's pretty much what I was doing. Um, and I will say this, I my perspective on the game has changed. So I already talked last topic about visually, it, it's not blowing me away like it did when I played it the first time. Still a gorgeous game and amazing. But not blowing me away. But I've come across like um, a lot more like smaller issues playing it. Like I've noticed that Aloy gets hung up on the ground sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like there'll be stuff like the the ground is very detailed, which is a big difference between it and the first game. Um, and she will just like be running, and she'll just get snagged on like a piece of geometry on the ground, and you have to actually like hit the jump button to like jump over it. Um, I noticed that a bunch of times since I just started playing it again. The other thing that I noticed is at the end of the game, if you have not done a lot of side quests, the game gets really hard. Mm. So I had only completed... That's, that's in, in line with uh, their approach to the DLC in the first game. Like the Frozen Wilds is real tough. Even if... I was max level in that game when I, when I played Frozen Wilds. And I... Those, Frozen Wilds is the first time I think I died in Horizon in like 40 hours. Mm-hmm. Like it was... Something like, oh, and there's a lot more of the Frozen Wilds enemy philosophy in all of Forbidden West, which I think is a good thing. Like, they're, they're more dangerous now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can see that curve getting pretty drastic if you aren't doing all the side stuff. I had only completed, like, four side quests, I think. And I had only done those because I needed to, to talk mm-hmm. about them, to see how good they were. And and the side, some of the side quests are pretty substantial in terms of the XP they give they're you. They're huge. Well, yeah. the XP is huge. And, and the side long, quests yeah. themselves are huge and long. So essentially what happened is I went into this dungeon, for lack of a better descriptive word or a more descriptive word, and I fought all the way through this dungeon. And there was like, I think, two bosses that I had already beaten and had fought all the way through. And then I get to the final boss in the dungeon, which is like a slither, slither back or something like that. Gigantic. The snake. No, it's a, it almost looks like a T-Rex and it's gigantic. It's like Mm. the size of like three buildings or whatever. And it's impossible. Not a a Thunderjaw? No, it's bigger than the Thunderjaw. It's, it's supposed, I think it's supposed to be one of the final bosses in the game. Mm. I think there's more to go, but it's one of the big end bosses and I cannot beat it. There's just no way I cannot beat it. I almost cheesed it one time because you fight it in this big arena and there's like geometry along the walls that you can kind of climb up. And there was one time where I like climbed up geometry and kind of got tucked into like a cubby hole and a lot of its attacks couldn't hit me. And I almost beat it that time. I could never replicate that again. And I couldn't beat it. <clears throat> and there was no way to turn around and go back. And I could not use fast travel because I don't have the I don't have a fast travel item. So in the game, to fast travel for free, you have to make it to a fire pit. If you don't make it to a fire pit and you want to fast travel, there's an item that you can get that will let you fast travel from anywhere. I was out of those. I don't know why 
I think I just stupidly fast traveled at some point in the game, just mm-hmm. using it and not thinking. I could not get out. So there was a point where I went through a door and the door just shut off and there's no way to get out. And so there's, I don't even know if you know this, Matt, but there's a special save in the game for this. Mm-hmm. It's like they played and they're like, oh crap, I'm stuck here and I can't get out. And it's called like something like la- like boss special saver. Yeah, and if I've you load that. that, it will take you out and back out to the world. So I did finally get out. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to, I need to level up. Obviously I'm not powerful enough. So I started doing side quests and I finally really dove into the side quests. And here's actually something that I learned that makes me like the game more. The side quests in this game are awesome. Yeah. I mean, they're insane. They really, they took a, they took definite inspiration from the Witcher three. Yes. I mean, they are in depth with their own little storylines and like, they're tough too. They te- and they're tough, and they teach you more about the world, and they uh-huh. they open up stuff to you. It's, yeah, I really wish good. I had played more of them before I talked about it the first time on Game Face. I guess is what I'm getting at because mm-hmm. I I thought they were good back then, but now I'm kind of blown away by them, honestly. Um, so now I'm back out in the world, and I'm trying these side missions, and I'm trying to do the side missions that are the toughest ones because they give you the most XP, and they're hard as crap, man. Mm-hmm. Like. Just fighting some of the creatures in these side missions, I'm getting my ass whooped. Yeah, and they, I haven't played in a lot. I mean, I did actually load it up this week and thought about getting back into it, and then I was like, no. Like, it's not that hard, actually. Probably not, but I just wasn't... I, I went back to sort of mindlessly playing No Man's Sky some more, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot easier for me, yeah. which I'm, which would probably be the opposite for you. Like, if you haven't played No Man's Sky in forever, yeah. you're just like, I don't know how any of this shit works anymore, mm-hmm. um, because it's all different than the last time you played it, probably. But uh, yeah, that, that's automatic for me. And this was like, oh, I got to over because like one of the things about the, the the fights in this that is not true of the first game because you could brute force your way through the first game. So yeah, you could just like you had strong enough arrows and and you were good enough at dodging. You could just chip. You them just away fight your way. Yeah. This one, like you, you know, you really gotta know the weaknesses. You yep. gotta know what elements to use against what is on their body. You know, That's you gotta, exactly where I was yeah. headed with my this whole thing. So like, it's it's yep. uh, like they make you use the whole system, which I think is good. I think is how it should be. But like, I think it's it good. Can be hard to come back to. But Matt, it's like what I realize is that that oh, in this game, even for these side missions where you're fighting these smaller enemies, you have to use the el- the right elemental attack. So mm-hmm. you need to scan the enemy. You need to figure out what it's what it's weak against, and you need to use it. Well, Matt, like I went into like all the the buffs basically that I can attach to all my weapons, and I don't even have buffs for a lot of the weaknesses that the enemies have. Yeah, you got to be keeping up with the the weapons. Yeah, and it's like this whole thing that I just had not paid attention to because you're right. The first game, I didn't have to do any of this. No, you don't. Like I was you just don't. good enough with my weapons and my bow that I could just make yeah. it through the game. Like, I just used. I think the first game I just used. Um, I used tear blast arrows and hard point arrows, and that's about it. That's all you like, needed. You need, yeah, I didn't need anything else except for very special circumstances. Yeah, and this game not that way at no. all. In fact, you will not finish it unless you start to build up an arsenal of things you can attach to your weapons yeah, that any, run the anything gamut beyond sort of like that first, that second level of enemy. You know, yeah. sort of the general grazers or right. pronghorns or anything above that. Like once you hit like kind of the the, the ravagers or higher or stronger, like you're going to need to take them apart. Yeah, and you, and you also, you're right, you need to pick the parts off. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, some of the boss fights later on in the game, Matt, the only way you beat the boss fight is if you take their weapon off. Yeah. You knock it off, and, and then you pick up their them. weapon and use it against them. Yeah. And it the, gets... only, the only enemy I would really do that regularly with in the first game was the Thunderjaw. Right. Yep. Um, in this so... game, at the end, you have to use it for every boss mm-hmm. that you fight. The last I'm third sure. of the game. And the... Uh... 
I appreciate that. Yeah, like there's, you know, I've certainly had times when I I need particular components because I want a particular upgrade for mm-hmm. the pouches usually, and I'm just like, oh, I don't have that. I I can tell where that comes from. I'm gonna go, and I gotta go find one of the usually the giant turtle. I remember the most memorable were the the turtles. I needed turtle like the the little fasteners that hold the shell on mm-hmm. basically, and so you have to kind of like run around and dodge the thing and pop the little clamps off the shell, and that'll drop the thing that you need to pick up. And like so, I had to do that a few times. And those fights were like. 15 minutes long because I was because I wasn't even able to kill them as efficiently as I knew how to kill them I had to kill them in a certain way so I'd get the most components off them yep and like I think that's a lot of fun I really like that it is fun but I basically what happened to me Matt is I got to the end of the game and I was screwed (laughs) there was no way I could finish the game I had to get out use that special save to get out of there and go back and start completing side missions Mm -hmm. and start intentionally looking for those buffs that I knew I was going to need to fight this boss that kicked my butt like 20 times. I'll be honest, Matt, that boss whooped my ass worse than any boss in Elden Ring that I fought. At least they knew that was a thing and they put those saves in. Yeah. A lot of com- a lot of developers wouldn't have like recognized that. About I would have had to have figured out. I had to have gotten lucky and cheesed the boss the way I did the one time and I almost beat it. But there's no way I could have beat it with legitimate I mean, legitimate that's good though. Means. If you're going to make the system work that way, you're going to need to give people an escape an out. Hatch. Yeah. So. And I didn't even know it was there at first, Matt, and I just kept banging my head against the wall. I was honestly like, dude, this is like playing Dark Souls. Yeah. I'm like, I'm stuck. This door is shut. I can't go back through the door, and I have to beat this boss. And then finally I Googled it. I'm like, stuck in Horizon Forbidden West. Can't get out of dungeon. And someone was like, hey, look. And the other thing, too, about it, Matt, is when you go to load, like the first... 10 saves in the load list aren't that save. Yeah, they're at the bottom. It's at almost at the bottom of the the list of the load of the saves to load. So thank does, God for the internet. It does tell you about that, but I think it's very very early. I definitely missed it and because there was so much time between when I played it the first time and I'm picking it back up. Yeah. So I think it tells you that in the first like cauldron boss you fight. Yeah. It says like, "Oh, if you have a problem, you can go reload this." Yeah. Um and I remember that vaguely, but I've never had to do it. So I get I didn't I, until I forgot about it until you mentioned it. Yeah. And now I wonder too, it's like, okay, I fought the whole way through this dungeon, Matt, and it was mm-hmm. tough. I mean, you could always just drop the difficulty. I'm not going to do that. But it was tough to I fought through this whole dungeon. Now I wonder if I go back there, do I have to fight through that whole dungeon again? Uh Cause it's hard. Probably. Like even the bosses that I beat. I don't know about the boss. I think you probably have to traverse it again. Usually the bosses get saved, but I don't know. I don't know how that works. I've never I done hope that. not. Because <laughs> that was why I stood there and kept fighting the boss. I'm like, even once I found out that there was this save that I could use to get out of it, I was like, but wait a minute. What if I have to go through this dungeon again? And so I'm like, well, I'm gonna fight him five more times and see if I can beat him. I never got close, and I was like, screw it, off I go. Because I also figured like, if I'm struggling with this boss there's going to be another boss that I'm also going to struggle with because I realized at that point I did not have enough variety in my elemental buffs mm-hmm. for my weapons. So ultimately I left and now I'm back out in the open world again, just cleaning up like a bunch of side missions. The other thing I realized though through the course of this is that like I'm almost at the end. There's only 17 main missions in this in this mm-hmm. game. It's funny like you look, look, look at like, kind of like the number of you know main missions for things and it's like, like Dying Light has something like eight. Right. Yeah, but, each but they're one really, is really long, long and broken yeah. up in an individual. Yeah, so like that's it's, it's, it's interesting. Always interesting to me to see how how developers like kind of break up their main mm-hmm. quest. In like sometimes it seems like oh, there's like forty quests here. Um, or like Elix Two, I think has like technically the main quest is like 
five or six quests long. Mm-hmm. But every one of those quests has like 30 steps. Yeah. You know? Um, and sometimes they don't exactly tell you what the step is or whether it's like sometimes, sometimes it's just a little more trouble than it's worth. Other but, thing um, I found, Matt. It's, hard to, I, it's just hard to gauge by looking at that. I try not to get into that anymore. Some of the side quests in this are like that, too, where it's like, oh, just go do this thing. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of things between thing and thing. Yeah. Right? Also, Matt, I have not had a mount for the last, like, third of the game. I never use mounts in My this mount case. got killed. And once your mount is killed, you can't call your mount anymore until you find another mount. Yeah, you gotta re... re you have to uh, find another one and take it over again one. and override it. And I have not come across mounts. And so I have not had a mount for the last forever in because this you, game. It's because you gotta do the cauldrons. Right. And, and I, get the overrides. Yep, exactly. I think my last mount was, like, some crazy, like... Like, I can, like, ride Thunderjaws now or something. Mm-hmm. It was, it's, it's really, and, and later on, you get to f- ride flying things. Right, yeah. So that's cool. But, I haven't done that yet. But, but I'm, I have not done enough of those cauldrons, and so I can't find them out. Yeah. So I've had to walk and run everywhere in this game. I mean, I do that. Any, I, I don't use the mounts. Really? I mean, I fast travel a lot because yeah. the fast travel is free between the bonfires. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I generally run everywhere. Uh, the mounts I don't. I, the mounts I find very annoying to control. They're a little they get, they get stuck on the ground they way do. more than Aloy does, and mm-hmm. Aloy does get stuck on the ground sometimes. Aloy's Aloy's control frustrations for me are more in the climbing. Like because, oh yeah, like I'm glad too. they freed the climbing up more than it was in the first game, but as a result, you end up sort of like glitching over rocks and stuff. There's like lots that. of like, times where you're supposed to be able to climb up and you yeah, can't. Yeah, I'm just like, what do you want me to do? Like, where do you want me to go? And then like you can tell, like oh, I'm supposed to be able to grab that yellow thing up there, but it won't do the animation. To just, so I got to back up and come back up, and now the animation works and stuff like that. I mean, maybe they patched it since then because I haven't played it, you know, in two months. Like yeah, but like yeah, that, that was the biggest frustration for me in terms of kind of just general control and riding some you know especially some of the bigger mounts like the bulls or the buffalo or whatever they mm-hmm. are like those fuckers don't turn and they they're get hard stuck. to control like they yeah. get stuck on little little like rock formations on the side of the road i'm just like just let me go over it yeah just, just act like me, they're not just, there just let me yeah. slide around it like just yeah like i don't understand the point of that i also had issues Feels like an oversight now that i've come back to it where um i was running up to this door and a bunch of boulders fall down before you get to the door and the boulders fell in such a way that aloy got stuck in between the boulders mm-hmm. and i had to reset the game like there's yeah, i've gotten trapped between things like that a couple of i've times. been i've been in the woods and just got completely covered by foliage and can't tell where to go. Can't see anything. Mm. There's all kinds of little stuff like that in this game. And for whatever reason, now that I've gone back to it, a lot of it seems to be happening to me now that I've gone back, mm. which is really bizarre. Um, so it's been like a mixed bag. Like there's some things that I think I appreciate more now that I've gone back to it. Like the side missions. Like I should have dove into those more than I did back when I first played it. But there's a lot of stuff that has made me like it less. And I would argue more that has made me like it less than is than stuff that has made me like it more. Um, which I'm a little surprised at. Um, but one thing I will say, Matt, is don't be afraid to go back to this game. It's really not hard at all. Like, I was like you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to forget how to do everything. And I didn't. Like, the only thing that I forgot how to do was pull out the grapple thing that pulls the gates off of, like, mm. off of, like pathways that you can go down. I had forgotten that you pull up your bow and then you tap the triangle button and it switches. Yeah, the old Metroid. Trip. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like I was able to just pick right up and keep going. So don't yeah, be intimidated I'm sure it'd be, by that. I'm sure, it'd be fine. I'm just, yeah. It was just one of those things where I loaded it up and I was like, oh, I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. Like, not that I don't like the game. I certainly I like the game a lot, but like, 
it was just one of those things. I just want to play something I don't need to think about what I'm doing. Even, there may even be a lot of people degree. in the same boat because a lot of people may have started playing this and then got hooked on Elden Ring mm-hmm. and haven't gone back. So I'm just saying for everyone, I should also like, go don't finish, be afraid. I should also go finish Elden Ring. Like I have nothing left to you do. You haven't finished the, it yet? I have nothing left to do but like do the final thing. Oh, I just haven't gone back <laughs> interesting. I, th- I thought for sure you would finish it by now and you started your second run or something like a lot of no. people have. That's also kind of part of the delay on that was I know as soon as I do it, I'm going to start the second run and be like, oh, I can do this. And I can do this. I'm, I'm going to get sucked back into it again. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't finish it a second time, but it would take up time. Yeah. Um, a lot of time. And I would like to go. I would like to go back and finish this. Yeah. Um, just to see how it ends. Um, Erebus Jones asks, isn't being able to see more of the falls just a case of two months later, the novelty is worn off? I would not agree with that at all because I played it on my first run 20 some hours. Like, if I had played it for five or ten hours, sure. I'd be like, yeah, I just hadn't seen enough, and, you know, I was just in the afterglow of playing A New Horizon. But I had settled in with this game real well. Like I said, when I went back to play it, I was basically on the end stretch of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I was farther along than I thought that I was, and I remembered that I was. Um, so, no, I don't think that that's it at all. I just think I didn't explore some parts of the game, like... There aren't a lot of parts of this game where you get trapped in a dungeon like the one that I just got trapped in. Like, mm-hmm. for the most part, most of this game is done outdoors where you can just leave if you want to. Yeah, really, it's just, like, some some mission-based stuff and the cauldrons are mm-hmm. really the only yeah. Yeah, things yep. like that. And so I encountered some stuff in the game I hadn't really encountered before. Um, that, and was then a, it, that was a fun section. What, the, the underwater stuff? The underwater stuff? thing in the casino. That, yeah. That was cool. That whole, that whole Las Vegas thing was pretty yeah. cool. I'm. Always, I'm a very, the other thing I'm very impressed. By, you know, thinking about it now, I'm very impressed by how much they make me like a lot of the characters she mm-hmm. meets. Just like the side people that you only the people see in Vegas. Those guys, yeah, I those guys are a them. lot of like I. I don't even really like that tribe very. All yeah. They're sort of like annoying engineer guys. Yeah, but like. Those guys are like they—they they have a reason to be there. They like the one guy has a real opinion. The other guys who disagree with him like make sense why they disagree. Like it was—it's a really well-written little like group of three guys who Ala runs into and is like, "I need to get through this. So if you could all just get out of my way and let me do it, and let me do this." And they're like, "Oh my god, you're amazing!" She's like, "I know. Just let me do the thing." <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun. I—I I do love uh, one of my favorite things about Aloy's character is how she's just over everything oh yeah she's She's just just straight to the point she's got she's got that Geralt thing where it's just like can I just get through this without having to spend too much time with you idiots yeah the frivolities are yeah yeah she's all business in the way Geralt is and I think that's fun yeah also pro tip go back to this place Mm -hmm. something awesome happens if you go back and I'm not gonna spoil it but go back it's honestly probably the most beautiful moment from the entire game I think I may have already done that. Have you? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's, and again, it's one of those things that you're playing, you're like, wow, like this is mm-hmm. a side mission. Like, yep. and it feels like a mission from most other action yeah. RPGs. I mean, a lot of side mission stuff in this is some of the best. It like, is. I, you know, yeah. I, I am a bit of a completion, completionist with open world stuff, so I'll do a lot of, si- I'll, you know, I'll finish all the side stuff before I move the main quest forward, mm-hmm. just as like, sort of like a make sure I don't miss anything. But with this game, it's just like, I, I do the side stuff, not because of a completionist element, but because like, these are really good. It's good. They're, yeah. Like, they're often better than the main quest. Yep. Um, stretches of the main quest are really good, but they're stretches of the main quest that are sort of like, you know, getting to a new place. And in the meantime, you run all these side quests that like enhance getting to that new place by like really showing you stuff about that area and like i really i do appreciate how much work they put into the world building and the lore with like 
you know, when you when you encounter all these different groups and cities and tribes of people, and you sort of get to piece together like why they are what they are because of the rel- the you know the rel- remnants and relics of the old world that they you know were let out into, like, what they kind of grew up around more or less, mm-hmm. and you see how their cultures develop because they are they're dealing with like sort of things they don't understand that are like you know technology from the old world, but it's just like what they know, so they've sort yeah. of adapted into either a religious system or a caste system or a social order, and like. That's really interesting. Like, the, yeah, and and it's also doubly interesting that like how to see how Aloy deals with them because Aloy knows it's all bullshit. Aloy yeah. knows knows what all this stuff is, and I also really appreciate that she teaches her friends how to use the focuses. Oh, right, and yeah. it's like, yeah, all the th- everything you know is wrong. Yeah, and you're going to sit in this room until you figure that out. Yeah, and th- there are a couple other things that I noticed too. Going Whoops. back to it, like um, it crafting like- in this game is pretty much pointless. Like, yeah, I mean, it, other than ammo, that's yeah. about it. But otherwise, like, you hardly do it. Like, upgrading your weapons, like, hardly ever happens. Like, I got to a certain point where I had, like, the first level or two, extra level or two for each weapon, and now it's like you have to go find mm-hmm. very specific things to upgrade the weapons. Um, yeah, and so more, I haven't. Which become more plentiful later, but, like, a level three weapon is going to get you pretty far, mm-hmm. especially if it's one that you've gotten recently or that, that fits your play style well. Yeah. Um, you haven't really, I, yeah, I'm definitely, I've definitely been hanging on to the really high, you know, rare components for like when I find weapons that I know I'm going to want forever. Uh, and that usually also c- comes in conjunction with like, okay, this one's purple. You it's know? also, so, it's also a little bit like Elden Ring in that there's like no clear better weapon no yeah. clear better armor yeah they worked really hard to make sure there was no best yeah it's is. like okay this protects me more against this kind of yeah. element but they it's worse to, against this other element yeah they want you to, to to pick your weapons based on the situation as best you can i i usually keep just in the equip slots i keep sort of something for every element you mm-hmm. know and so and right now like, i wish I, I had done that and i remember like for a long time my only uh weapon that had one particular element i can't remember which one it was it's probably I think it was purple. It was it was either the corruption or lightning, um, but the only one I had was this like stupid little slingshot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and finally, I found a bow. Like I always, I prefer hunter and predator bows above everything else. And I use hunter bows almost exclusively. And finally, yeah. I found um, a, a hunter bow that had that element. I'm like bought. Like it was, like, yeah. if, if, you know, because I do yeah. use the elements a lot, but I don't use the traps and I don't use the different weapons too much. And if there ever comes a time when I can just have a whole fleet of bows that do everything, I will absolutely do that. That's what I should have done. Is I should have a lot of bows that I'm like, this is no more powerful than this bow I've been using, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't buy it. I yeah. ignored. That it had an it element, had the different elements, yeah, and that's, that's what sure. I should have been doing was buying and those. Extra yeah, bows. and I do. I've got rope casters in case I need to tie down a flying enemy or things mm-hmm. like that. But but for specific, but for like kind of day, you know, daily drivers, I've just got this whole. I'm just Aloy's got like five bows strapped on her, and she's just like picking yeah. the one that I was like, maybe you could just maybe you just use the different arrows, right? In, in one exactly. In one bow. It but, is weird too how they make you assign the different bows to the weapon wheel when mm-hmm. it could have. You're right, could have just all been done with arrows. Mm-hmm. Like they could have just given you like here's the bow you're gonna use and you can choose another bow but you're actually when you choose the weapon wheel you're choosing different bows mm-hmm. you're not choosing just the arrows and then sometimes within each bow 
there yeah, will be different yeah, arrows. Each bow has two or three different arrow types. Right. But like, and then the arrow types will some, and then depending on what you do with the skill tree, mm-hmm. that changes as well. You hit left or right yeah. on the D pad. So if you want to fire like a volley of three arrows with each pull, or if you want to fire a more powerful single arrow, you can select that. It is crazy mm-hmm. how deep it goes. And yeah. I should and have I, been diving was, into that system. And it was more. interesting, like getting further in the game and realizing, like, oh, I got to use these skills she has. Mm-hmm. Well, I got like you, she, yeah. you do like the super shots and everything. Yeah, you have I'm to. Like, oh, those are necessary for because they things. they kill they they destroy (laughs) yeah so anyway um there are parts of it that i like more there are parts that i like less coming back to it i would argue the parts that i like less are a little more prevalent um but i would say if you're like me and you kind of got pretty far into the game and you're like this happens a lot with action rpgs for me Mm -hmm. you you go to think about going back you're like oh gosh like i don't think i'll be able to remember how to do everything this game is not like that it is very easy to just pick up and just start going again um, again, there was like one little thing that I had forgotten how to do and I figured it out pretty quickly anyway. So, I mean, then there's the internet there cause the game's been out for a long time. Worst case scenario, you can just Google stuff and figure it out pretty quickly mm. as well. So that was one of the problems with Lego star Wars was like, there is so much stuff in that game that there were no guides for some things. And so mm-hmm. like I did a thing where I'm like, this isn't work. Is this not working? Cause I don't know what I'm doing or is it not working? It cause broken? it's broken. Yeah. And there were, sometimes I just couldn't find any information. I'd have to find, I'd found like, I would find like one question about this, that quest on like re- a, a subreddit. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, is this not working? And it's like, when I did it, it did it like this. And I'm like, that's not working. I'm like, this is a glitch. And that's yeah. all. But that's like the most concrete info you would have about that one, you know, Kyber brick or whatever. Yeah. It became very frustrating. The, for, for the first time in probably 20 years, I wish there was just a strategy book I could buy for that. Yeah. Uh, but then I guess it doesn't matter if it's not going to activate the quest properly. Right. <laughs> so. I mean, chances are it's probably just broken. Yeah, I, I think that was it. And yeah. uh, it's a shame. It is. They'll um, fix it, though. They will. They've sold way too many of them to not fix it. So yeah. you should be good. So I'm, surprised, I'm surprised they don't seem to have any uh, actual playable DLC plan. I know they got characters mm-hmm. in the pipeline. But it feels like... Okay, I feel like maybe you want to make your a Mandalorian game on its own. Like, yeah, it feels like maybe you're, there's a, mar- a market for a Lego Star Wars Dis- Disney Plus game. You yeah, know, like where it's just Mandalorian and Bo- Book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka and and all that, all on its own game. But like, about a Rogue One level, yeah. or, or I don't want to play a solo level, but like, <laughs> but you could make it anyway. You don't, yeah. I don't, you don't have to listen to me. Yeah. Um, it feels like there's 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 maybe you know you should support it further but yeah who knows if they will oh by the way before we move on to the next topic i should bring back up hello neighbor 2 from last week so after we had the discussion about oh it doesn't come out to december i went home and got the show rendering and everything and worked on uh, good morning gaming for the next morning once i got done with that i went back and checked the email and sure enough it is called review code over Hmm. and over and over again in that email weird yeah He's like, you can review it. This is the embargo. The embargo was actually way before we even talked about it. Hmm. I don't know. It's bizarre. But anyway, I just, I was like, man, there's no way I would have made that mistake. So I just went back to just double check to make sure in that email, it is called review code. You can review this over and over again. Hmm. So I don't know what Maybe. Tiny Bill was thinking there. But anyway. Shaniki says the rumor is their next next game is a Clone Wars game that covers the oh. whole series. Oh, That'd be cool. Clone Wars is great. Yeah, Clone it really is. Really good. Yeah, I watched it over the holidays finally, and I was like, "Oh man, why did I put this off for so long?" Mm. Really, really good. Okay, we got to move on because we have so many topics to get to. We're gonna have to start going through these like machine gun fire. Uh, next up, we're gonna talk about Ubisoft, and according to Kotaku and Bloomberg, reporting over the weekend, Ubisoft is on the block, officially on the block, and not only on the block, there are tons of private equity firms 
that are smelling blood and are swimming around in the water right now. Hmm. Um, both Kotaku and Bloomberg are saying that Ubisoft is accepting multiple offers right now and trying to figure out which the best one is. Um, I believe it was Kotaku that mentioned that Yves son, who was supposed to be the heir apparent to take over Ubisoft, left Ubisoft and basically said, I do not want to run the family business. And wow. so Kotaku believes that once Yves' heir decided he didn't want to be a part of it anymore, that was the final straw. Because you got to remember, Matt, back in 2018, which wasn't that long ago, Vivendi tried a hostile takeover of Ubisoft. And Yves mm-hmm. Guimont basically said, I'll do whatever it takes to stop this. And they did stop it. But now... Four years on, it does appear that he has had a change of heart, and Ubisoft is on the block. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, Ubisoft, you know, Nintendo is going to buy him, or Microsoft is going to buy him, or PlayStation is going to buy him. No, it does not sound like that is going to be the case at all. It sounds like they're going to get snatched up by a private equity firm, which basically... Mm -hmm. Like it's going to be like a THQ Nordic thing. Yes, which basically the object for a private equity firm is to buy a company, increase its value through better management, and then sell it. Mm -hmm. Or go in, leverage the debt, uh, set up a basic, basically a a shell around that so that they don't get hit with it. But if they sell the company off or default on the company, they get away with the money and the company's left holding the bag, which is what happened to Toys R Us. Right. So they could Bain Capital it if they wanted to tank it. Uh, and then you'd have an interplay situation where Ubisoft had to sell off all its IPs and disappear like a flan in a cupboard. But uh, not, I mean, probably not, but it's, it's it's definitely on the table depending on who gets them. Here's the crazy thing, Matt. Ubisoft stock right now is at $40 a share. Back in 2018, when Vivendi wanted to take it over, it was at 108 mm. I mean, that is like... 60-70% of your stock value just wiped out. A bargain. It's a bargain, which is why the sharks are in the water, because mm. also the stock market right now is going down in general. And so if you have money right now, now is a good time to buy. And it looks like Ubisoft may get snatched up, but not by what people, I think, had assumed all along, which would be one of the three platform holders, to add their games yeah. to his portfolio. I mean, I'm sure they're still in the mix, but who knows? Matt... Some of the some of those corp- those, those uh, firms might be proxies, right? So That's true. You don't, you don't know. It, it's true. But here's the thing, Matt. I mean, I think that stock price is right. I mean, at this point, yeah, probably. Ubisoft to me has really fallen. Yeah, I mean their their output has been uh, spotty, and a bunch of stuff that they've put on the block to you know to be something to look forward to has not materialized. Like Skull and Bones, uh, just who knows uh beyond good and evil 2 does not exist as far yeah as i'm really starting say. to wonder if it's even really a um, game anymore uh, there are some people who say it never was that it was basically just a marketing push then and, and like nothing we saw was actually real really um and uh some of the people who say that should know uh-huh. and uh it's weird because like Clearly, there's something there, but you wonder what's happening behind it. You know, but also, like Ubisoft you, you, does that all the time. They do that thing where it's like it goes even back to their most successful time, where like they're just, we're going to show you this thing. It might never be real. Here's this fucking laser tag game, mm-hmm. like that never got mentioned again. You yeah, know, like, like or did it? Did it did no, that, I know. Actually, I think it was released. I think that actually came out, released. Yeah, it, it, but it was a toy. It yeah. wasn't really a game. Nobody so. remembers. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, but you're right. Like they throw stuff out there and then it just disappears and you never hear about it again. Mm-hmm. And But really, when I was starting to gather B-roll and footage for this, I'm like, what is Ubisoft now? It's Assassin's, it's Creed, Assassin's Creed, which, hey, 
Rainbow Six Siege and Ghost Recon. Yeah. And sometimes just dance. And, and Rabbids, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they put out the Nintendo deal periodically. <clears throat> but one of his big IP was Watch Dogs. And Watch Dogs Legion completely tanked. Yeah, like, Watch- I don't even know if that's ever coming back. It won't. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I, I respect them for how much they gave that concept a shot. They gave, they gave Watch Dogs three chances, and none of them. The first one sold well, but mm-hmm. it was not a good game. And then the second one was a better game, but sold like terrible, horribly. And then the third one was a really cool idea that didn't quite live up to its idea and didn't live up to what they needed to sell either. So it's uh, like, like I appreciate that they st- stuck with watchdogs for as long as they did, because a lot of other companies would have just abandoned it after the second one. There's something there. Like there's something in the watchdogs concept that would be a great game, but they never found it. Well, it's a tech driven open world action RPG. So mm. obviously someone should be able to do something with it, but Ubisoft has a lot of talent and it hasn't managed to make it work. So, mm. and then you start th- thinking about far cry, far cry six just came out. It was hardly a blip on the radar. Yeah, I forget. I love Far Cry, but like, yeah, that game. That game did vanished. not suck me in. It just didn't. Like most Far Cry games, I get sucked in. I end up playing them all the way to the end. I and played you know, that game just enough to talk about it intelligently on this show, mm-hmm. and I had no interest really in going back and playing it more. I did play that more, but I don't think I ever finished it. It's just too big. Um, is too much. I mean, Do you think that's part of the problem with Ubisoft is that its games are just too freaking gigantic? I don't think so because most people don't finish games. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Um, but like, uh, I will say that like, uh, you know, I like Valhalla a lot. I've played Valhalla. I think my save on Valhalla is in around the 170 70 hours mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but that Dawn of Ragnarok DLC came out at 40 bucks. I, I loaded the game. I, I did the whole thing. I loaded, I reinstalled Odyssey. And I played the new free quest that, like, connects that game's story to Valhalla, where basically Cassandra says, I gotta go to this other place, which is clearly implied to be North America, because she's immortal and has to travel the world and gather the pieces of Eden or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a there's a thing in the new DLC where he where uh, uh, Ivor, Eivor meets Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Or I guess Alexios, if you played him right. for some reason. Um but Cassandra, I think, is the canon. Yep. Cassandra is the canon Odyssey hero, and I think male Eivor is the canon yep. Valhalla. Yep. Um, so Eivor and, and Cassandra meet, which is part of the thing. But also, like, the the, chunk, the big chunk of the new paid DLC is more Norse god stuff, like Ragnarok. You know? Yeah. Like, and... and the idea of going in and doing more of the Norse god stuff, it just, it just made me feel so tired. Like I, I think a lot of people, that's what I was getting at when I said, do you think Ubisoft's games are too big? People are, at this point, know what they yeah. are, and they're like, do I really want to get into that? Yeah, like, like, and like, look, I mean, I look, I like Valhalla a lot. I do think so do I. I do think it's the least of the three of the, the as they say, the ancient trilogy, mm-hmm. as I guess they're called now. Yeah. Um, I think Odyssey is probably the best one, and actually going back to play Odyssey on the Series X with with the enhancements from Syria, like, yeah, that game's really I good. like the setting of that game better. Setting's better, yeah, the setting's better. It was just nice to play an Assassin's Creed game that it was bright, yeah, and it was like there was water, and it was it was just it was just it was a little less oppressive. Refreshing. Yeah. And the other thing, I didn't realize I missed this so much in Valhalla, but the fact that Cassandra can jump off anything and not take damage, right? Yeah. Because she has the magic spear, <laughs> like, right? Wow, that frees the game up in a big, yeah. just like Horizon, where you can glide. Yeah, like that changes everything. Yeah, I don't think Assassin's Creed is the problem. I think no. that's the one good IP that they that yeah. Ubisoft has. They can rely on for big sales. I will and- say my big reaction to Dawn of Ragnarok is like, oh, I, I'm not done with Assassin's Creed, but I'm really ready for a new game. 
Yeah. I'm really ready for a new setting and a new yeah. main character and a new like like I've had enough of Valhalla. I haven't had enough Assassin's Creed, but I've had enough Valhalla. Somebody brought up um what about Riders Republic? Commander Fett asked mm. about Riders Republic. Mm-hmm. I you like that. I loved Riders Republic. Yeah. And there's like DLC coming out for it soon, but it tanked. It did horrible. Mm. I, and also, I mean, another game that Ubisoft is... So does uh, that tank because no one cares? Or is it tank because of the, nobody cares about the theme? Or because nobody cares about Ubisoft's take on the theme? I think be- it's a combo of all of it. I think people are like, oh, if that's... A lot of people... Nobody know it came out? Because like, I didn't. First of all, I don't think the average consumer knows that like Ubisoft made Riders Republic. No. If it did, I do think they would be like, oh, that game's probably gigantic. And I'll only play like a sliver of it. And then I'll get tired of it or whatever. So that could have played it into it a little bit, but it's just extreme sports games that aren't Tony Hawk's Pro Skater just do not do well at retail, and they haven't for a long time. And arguably, even Tony's games don't do all that great anymore. When they remade Part 1 and 2, it was a nostalgia play, and it sold pretty well, but his prior like five or six games before that had done horribly. And obviously, Skate went away for a long time. We're going to get a new Skate here coming up soon. It'll be interesting to see how that game does, but... Just the interest in general of in extreme sports games, winter sports games, is just minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you say, like, what about Riders Republic? That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about, is that Ubisoft's products are just not, they just don't sell. People just, it's almost like Bethesda in a lot of ways. Yeah, like yeah, A lot of them do sell, but they don't sell in the, they don't sell in the numbers that you would expect a company as prominent as Ubisoft to sell in. And so it's, and it's not like they don't. It's not like the sales have really dropped, but it's they, like they haven't gone. You know, the infinite growth thing hasn't happened to Ubisoft. You know, yep. like like they the, these games still sell about what they would have sold ten years ago. And while ten years ago those sales would have been amazing, they now are not, not amazing anymore yeah. because things have gotten you know. Except for Assassin's Creed. Except for Assassin's, Assassin's Creed still does it. So I do um, wonder. I am astounded at how fast they shut Breakpoint down. Yeah. They, that must have been done even worse than we thought. Yeah. In the end. But I think a lot of Ubi's games just aren't delivering anymore. And so, mm-hmm. to me, the value of Ubisoft has really fallen yeah. in I the think, last five or six years. And I do, you know, as much as I still like Assassin's Creed, uh, and I appreciate what they're after in a bunch of these games, it's, it's you know, I think people are done hoping they're going to do anything new yeah. anymore. You know, like, like, I don't think if they put out another Ghost Recon trailer, you know, all gussied up the way Breakpoints was... I don't think this time you would believe that it was going to be a complete reinvention of the format the way yeah. you did before. And I was like, no, nah, it's going to be the same game in a different jungle. And you're yeah. like, no, look at all that. Like, they're not going to, like, that's not going to fool anybody anymore. Yeah. And, like, part of the part of their image problem is that nobody expects anything exciting from them anymore. Yeah. I mean, they got Siege. When is, is that eight years old now? Yeah, about that. It's, getting, mean, it's up there. It's one of its biggest games. It's eight years old. And yeah, no, it's good for longevity as a, as an online multiplayer platform, but yeah. like, what else? Yeah, I mean, you know? it's ripe for the pickings, is what I'm getting at. Like, and and cheap. they could have really used some some stuff that was out of the box, like Beyond Good and Evil Two, or mm-hmm. um, or uh, Skull and Bones, like something you know, something to shake up the the, the, the catalog a little bit, um, you know, or even uh, you know, for Honor was was more mm-hmm. of a step in the right direction. I mean, they, and now they that do, game's like eight years old. Yeah, they still support it. To they their do, credit, but yeah, like, they still put out DLC for it all the but time. But you know, you could do more with that. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, there's, I mean, it's objective, I guess. But like, like I, Far Cry Six is a finely put together game from a technical perspective. But like, I just don't think the setting and the and it has a has much of a, of a has much bite to it. Um, 
And I guess you could kind of say that about the last couple, but like I, you know, uh, Far Cry Five didn't set my world on fire, but like um, the idea of what they were going for was was interesting and made me excited, and I I wasn't uh, disappointed by it until I played it and realized that they were going to chicken out on the concept of the story, uh, and it was gonna. I will give uh, Far Cry Six credit for being way less into the weird drug levels, uh-huh. um, which <laughs> got old about three games ago. Yeah. Um, and like having gone back and played it again, um, because they included it in, you know, in the, in the game, uh, you know, as a, as a update later, um, Blood Dragon is still pretty great. Yeah. And like, it's still really great. Far Cry, Far Cry stay, it remains sort of at its best when it's doing the weird side things. Like Blood Dragon, Primal, and even New, what was it? New Dawn? New Dawn, yep. Those are the best ones. I agree. Like, once they kind of get everything down and then they take the thing and just go play with it, like, you should do those first. Yeah. Like, don't... Stop trying to tell these, like, serious stories with this shit. Just go crazy. Yeah, and have fun with it. I mean, then you have games like Roller Champions, which is like a roller derby game. Did like, that who come greenlit out? that game? There's a beta that's about to happen. Like, it no. hasn't been canceled yet. Like, it's coming out soon. But, like, who greenlit that game and thought it was a good idea? Like, I don't know. I just, there's a lot of chatter in our chat, too. Let's go to that right now, because you guys are posting some great stuff in here with your impressions of what's going on with Ubisoft. GS Gear says their open-world games are just a checklist simulator. I think a lot of people would agree with that. I think yeah. Assassin's Creed was probably the template for that. Yeah, and I think <laughs> they, they, a bunch of them, like, do that better or worse. Like, um, to me, the Ghost Recon games are the worst about that. Like, I, there's no reason to do anything there except to check all those boxes in that menu. Um, and uh, Sleeping Turtle Three also is like, where's the Sands of Time remake? Right. What happened to that? Yeah. That game. That's almost a year late. At I this know. Sneaky Shala Snake says they're too big, overwhelming. I nor my friends buy them anymore. He's speaking about open world Ubisoft games. A squishy says 170 hours in Valhalla. What a trooper! <laughs> Talking about you. Yeah. Uh, next level sh- says Valhalla is a great, great podcast game. Like just turn yeah. the sound down, turn the subtitles on, put podcasts or audiobooks on, and just run through. Keep and on hacking and slashing because the, those side quests never run out. They just never keep <laughs> going right. and going and going. Yeah, um, he said he liked Far Cry Six. He thought it was great, but it's probably because it was the last one he had played before Far, Far or since Far Cry Two. Yeah, that'll do it. I've played Far, them all. So Far Cry Two is really good. I went back like a year or two ago. I think during the the lockdown, I think I went back and I played Far Cry Two with. Um, some mods that made some of the more frustrating elements of it a little less frustrating, but that game's still really. That's the template for the for the most of the rest of Far Cry. But yeah. like that's really good, and I don't think they've ever topped the organic feeling of something accidentally getting set on fire and ruining the entire fight. Like, yeah, like suddenly the grasslands you're fighting in are on fire, and you have to maneuver around this, and your enemies are moving away from them, and it's just, it's real. That, that game's still really good. Um, let's see. And I do like having to physically look at the map. Yeah. And, like, yeah. figure out where I need to go from there because it's, like, a little bit more like a survival thing. Nexus 6 Batty says the Division is a success. Agreed. Yeah. That's yeah, one of their the other Division IP well. that's actually done pretty well. I forget about the Division. Yeah. Um, and they have managed to find at least something that feels a little bit different than their other games there. Um, Vincent says Prince of Persia is weird. Remember that Ori-like Prince of Persia that leaked? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. what happened to that, too? <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah. So, so I guess what we're getting at here is that yeah, like, if you're looking to buy a publisher right now, Ubisoft is at rock bottom. And I wonder what, like, if you do buy them, what do you do with them? Like, 
Do you just keep doing the same thing? Do you try to reinvent all these wheels? Do you Well, I think you first of all, you start saying no using? to their wacky ideas like Roller Champions and Riders, that, and Riders Republic. That. And then, like, they are trying to move into uh, movies. Like, there's a Rabbids mm-hmm. movie in development, yep. a live-action one. Um, I'd probably tell them to get out of that, too. Uh, it seems like a, a losing proposition, yeah. uh-huh. uh, especially their like, properties just aren't popular. It's one thing to you know, it's it's yes, it's it sucks that Minions basically stole the Rabbids thing, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if competing with them in the same arena is a good idea. It's not a good idea. Um, people are just gonna see the trailer for that and be like, "That's just Minions with Rabbits." Assassin's Creed is big enough for films as they tried. There's already been one, and it wasn't terrible. No, it um, wasn't. But the rest good. of their IP not big enough. I never thought that that the the the, the like the forerunner and pioneer of how to do video game movie adaptations is going to turn out to be Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. But here we are. <laughs> it's a weird world. And now Mario slipped to next year. Yep. So what makes me wonder what's going on there? Yeah, it's a little I weird. mean, part of that is just trying to get away from um, Avatar. Oh. Because they were going to launch a week after Avatar 2 and Aquaman 2, um, which are both coming out on the same day as of now. Oh, no, I, Aquaman, Aquaman switched, didn't it? They slipped. I don't know, actually. They, sli- they slipped Aquaman next year, and they put Shazam 2 on the same day as Avatar 2, which I don't think Avatar 2 is going to be the new number one movie of all time, but you're crazy if you want to go I wouldn't put anything against Avatar 2. Uh, you want to go head-to-head with James Cameron, you're out of your mind. And the like, marketing money that's going to be behind that, yeah, there's just no way you're going to compete. Because just- <laughs> Disney has to make you want to go visit that stupid theme park. Right. <laughs> that's right. That they built to compete with the Harry Potter thing, yeah. which turned out to be pointless because a no one cares about the Harry Potter thing anymore, and b no one really cares about Pandora. Yeah, and the one that everybody really <laughs> wanted was Star Wars, and Bob Chapek fucked that up. So the, the the big Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel is a giant bust. Oh really? Yeah, it's it's awful apparently. Really? Like, it's, like, Jenny Nicholson is about to do a big video about it where she went she went on her own dime, spent six thousand dollars because it's it's like the package to go and to. Stay and all it's it's thousands and thousands of dollars, no and like way. it's like the cost of a real cruise to the moon or something. <laughs> and like she's like, yeah, they lost my droid and and like the the choose your own adventure storyline. Like you get to see one of six plot lines. And I'm like, are you telling me for six grand I don't get to see everything? You only bite see, me. They want you to come back and do the other I plot guess. lines. But then she posted like a picture of like this is my sister and our our view for the big finale in the storyline, and they're sitting at a table in the restaurant area, and it's just a big pillar. Like, you, she, they can't see the actors that are acting out the thing because it's just a big pillar. And I'm like, why is there even a pillar in this room? Right. Like, how can you put a table behind that? And then they did one of the big things of the, of the Galactic Star Cruiser thing is you, you the, there's a new lightsaber that basically lights with an LED strip that pops out like an electric, like, like, a, like a measuring tape. Uh-huh. And it looks super realistic. Like, like in, a, in a dim light from a medium distance, it, it looks, looks exactly real. like a... And the way that happens is the actress playing Ray lights it up and you're like, oh, and then she leans down, puts it on the ground and picks up the stunt saber to fight with. And it's the most obvious thing oh, you've ever geez. seen. It's just awful. Oh, just for six grand. And I was so excited <laughs> about that stuff. And I'm like, and they're like, oh, we're, it's not final. We're working on everything it's because of the reactions to things and i'm like man you're already charging people thousands of dollars for this what about the people who paid to beta test your damn hotel like that's not okay yeah um so anyway uh yeah they're gonna throw a lot behind avatar because they got to justify that land they've made and um the i i I don't blame uh nintendo for wanting to get away from that because putting it in i think it's it's in april now right yeah that's a much much april 7th in the u.s much much better place the 28th in japan i believe yeah yeah vastly better placement like i i I think that's a, a, a very smart move 
All right, we got to move on. We're going to talk next about Blizzard and hmm. Diablo. Matt, remember... Speaking of years in the making. Right. Remember BlizzCon 2018 when they no. showed Diablo Immortal for the first time? No. I oh, you remember that. I don't recall the taste of food or the the taste of <laughs> touch of grass. You don't remember all the fanboys freaking out and booing? No, I remember the, the reaction as a mobile game, yeah. It's, because they were like, oh, it's... Cause basically, they wanted Diablo 4 and they got... They got... Diablo Mobile. Immortal. Diablo Immobile. Immobile. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Um, so people freaked out, and I remember on Game Face, I made fun of them. I was like, oh, come on, get a freaking grip. Like, yeah, sure. They said Diablo gonna... 4 will be along any decade now. Yeah. Just chill out. <laughs> you only have another 20 years to wait for Diablo 4. Well, it, it worked, Matt, because all the people freaking out, apparently Blizzard decided, you know what? They're right. We need to go back. And now... We have to go back. Yeah. There is a PC <laughs> version of yeah. Diablo Immortal coming that not only is coming is launching on the same day as the mobile version on June 2nd. Well, I guess you can't say they don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't work for them. Right. Yeah. They, <laughs> they just listen to fans. They don't listen to their employees, to apparently. Employees. <laughs> um, so, Matt, this is a case where a developer or publisher listened to fans, and it actually worked out to the good. Can you think of too many other, any other examples, actually, where that was the case, where... A publisher or developer listened to the fan base, and um, they made decisions that ended up working out well for the game. It happens in fighting games a lot. Yeah, um, in the sense that, like, you know, people suggest balance changes or tweaks or things, and and it does generally improve it. Yeah. Um, every once in a while with MMOs, I've seen that happen. Like, but a lot of times not. Remember WildStar, that MMO that was supposed to be like, hey, you guys are sick of how complicated World of Warcraft has become. Here's our MMO that's like OG World of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. And then they let their fans basically design the game. And the fans are like, well, if you want it to be like OG World of Warcraft, there needs to be more grinding in this game. It needs to be really grindy and very hard to understand. And, and that's what they did. Yeah. And then it failed. Whoops. Within a year, they had to turn it free to play. And within two years after that, the studio folded. Whoopsie. So there's... Lots of cautionary tales of listening to fans being a bad yeah. idea. I, I do struggle to find too many where it was a good idea. I mean, you could argue that almost every time fans have decided to like really dog a developer over something, mm -hmm. it ended up not working out. Yeah, every once in a while you get what's like where everybody just wants this one particular change and they get it and that's fine. Yeah. But in terms of like a full strategic realignment yeah that doesn't happen t too often it like, doesn't yeah certainly i mean you know why not make a pc version of it i guess like yeah. you know it's not like it's it's probably you know you're probably again you're probably just turning the sliders i'm sure this will play like a you know sort of like a switch version of a mobile game it's like all right it might it's be. just gonna play like you know like the switch version of it's like the switch version of elder scrolls blades it's yeah. like all right sure you can play it like this well here here is the pc trailer for it let's take a look at the footage and see if if it is just a mobile game running on PC, it looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, but also, but mobile games look pretty good now. They do. That's true. Yeah, not that I play a ton of them, but Built you're right. for mobile. I am pleasantly surprised that a lot of times. That doesn't look very good. Yeah. I am pleasantly surprised by mobile games on a pretty continual basis. I will say that. Yeah, like, they're, they're not bad. They, they, I mean, they've come a it long way. cool. Like, it doesn't look like Diablo 4 or anything. No. It looks nice. It's passable, though. Yeah, sure. And the other thing, too, is that it has cross-save and cross-progression. Oh, yeah, so you can smart. play it on your phone while you're out and about and then go home and pick it up right on your PC, uh, which is really smart and a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know if I'm guessing the PC version is going to be free to play. I would guess. I don't know. It's a good question. Um, yeah. Am I going to have to reinstall Battle.net? Uh, that's is, probably. Because I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to. Probably. You're probably going to have to. Um, but it's very rare that fans freak out over something. The developer makes a change for the fans, and it works out great. But this is a perfect example of it. Like, I was not going to play this, and now I'm going to play it. So they just picked up one guy right here. What about you? Are you now willing to play Diablo Immortal? No. No? You're still not going to play it? I'm not supporting Blizzard for <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not going to deal with that until maybe they change over to Microsoft and make some changes. Interesting. Um, also, I don't, well, it's, When it's, will that breaking point come for you? I don't know. They don't put out anything I care about. Yeah. Uh, you don't Diablo. like Diablo? I like Diablo, but not. I don't want to play a mobile Diablo. I don't care about this game. Diablo 4, maybe, but I feel like I've got some time before I need to worry about Diablo yeah, 4. Yeah. <laughs> Too much time, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't care about I mean, I haven't even thought about Overwatch, and I don't know how long. Yeah. It's um, a, I, w- I tell you what I would like to see. I would like to watch a no-clip documentary about the fall of Overwatch, about how that all just disintegrated out from under everything. It's Yeah, so right now, in fact, if you guys want to play Overwatch 2, there's sign-ups right now if you want to go play it. And I did sign up for it, hoping I'll get in so we can talk about it here on Game Face, because we need games people to talk about. Uh, but I'm not overly excited about it. I was not a big no. fan of the first Overwatch, honestly. I don't know anyone who is yeah. excited about At this Overwatch point. Yeah. yeah, Both because like they're not all that into Overwatch anymore, and because like they don't like the business model they've gone mm-hmm. for here. Um, um, Gear I don't really have he- an opinion on that, because I didn't care about Overwatch in the first place, but like it is telling that so many people I know who are hardcore Overwatch people are like, nah. GS Gear says he won't go back in on Blizzard until Kodak is gone. That's probably a good benchmark. Yeah, yeah that's a good... I think that's that, a good, that uh, makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, um, Nolan Elric says, didn't fans freaking out get a DLC in Mass Effect 3? Yeah, yeah, there was... there was uh, Well, they they put the uh, the ending patch in for that. They they extended the ending, added some, like, here's what... Ha- you know, some Fast Times at Ridgemont High style, here's what happened to some of the characters, and, like, made it a little clear what was going on. Uh, and I do think it's an improvement. Um, I don't think the freaking out about that ending was all that reasonable. But um, I don't think the ending is amazing, but I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole game is an ending, really. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, that was that was, that, that was a, a positive change. I mean, I don't think it was a positive way to treat the developers, but the result in terms of the update was a better ending. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a decent example, I guess. The main thing I remember, yeah, that that and the fact that Leviathan should have been part of the main game. Those are my Mass Effect three notes. Liberal Hack says, um, "Doesn't isn't the newest iPhone like three times more powerful or double the power of a Switch? Feels like yeah. triple sometimes." Yeah, they're up there. Yeah, so I it's mean, pretty it, crazy. What <laughs> these little phones? A, yeah, this isn't even a current. I mean, it's like a twelve, I think I got, and it's still yeah, it definitely runs the stuff better than the Switch. I mean, if sometimes. you think about it, I mean, this you attach controllers on this sides of this like you got to switch so yeah yeah, it's not that far out of the realm of possibility so um i mean i'm gonna play diablo immortal honestly like i'm i do like diablo and i I mean i might play it on my phone if i don't have to if i can just download it and try it and not pay pay anything for it i i will play on pc i never play games on my phone ever i just don't want to reinstall battle.net and go through all that crap yeah of getting hacked because that's probably what will happen it seems like everyone on battle.net gets hacked eventually um so anyway yeah that's the latest update on diablo immortal and again it's coming to both pc and mobile on the same day on june 2nd i think you can sign up right now for that as well if you want to get in on Mm -hmm. it as soon as it launches so there you go let's move on 
We're going to talk next about one of our favorite developers in the industry, Amy Hennig. Great person, really smart developer. Um, worked at EA for a spell, working mm-hmm. on a Star Wars, a narrative-driven Star Wars game that was codenamed Project Ragtag. Um, basically, have you heard the story behind all that? About um, what happened there? I mean, I've, I saw her talk a little bit about it like a couple of years ago. I don't know. I haven't heard anything recently. So I was discussing this on Good Morning Gaming. So I went to do research to figure out like what the overarching story is now that the dust has settled on everything. Mm-hmm. And essentially, EA felt that Project Ragtag was a single player game. And that was something of the past. Ah, yes. The uh, the old the old thing that proved by Fallen Order was the fastest selling anything that EA put out in forever. Yeah. Well, so they took the game away from her team at EA and sent it to like EA Vancouver. Yeah. And she was working like they were going to try to make it basically a game as a, a service. game as a service. And after a while, there I it sounds like there were conflicts between her and the EA Vancouver team, and that her team felt like the game had been taken away from them, and blah blah blah, and it really had. Um, and so basically she left and started her own new studio called Skydance New Media. And she already signed on for a Marvel game. And this week it was announced that she has also been handed now mm-hmm. a Star Wars game. Yeah, well, she's she's teamed up to form like, Skydance is an existing thing. Uh, started by two people who went to my high school, actually. Well, wait, there's a difference, though, isn't there? It, this is a branch of Skydance. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, I is. didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I wonder why. I'm like, why would you name your company so because similar? Because it's, it's the interactive branch of Skydance. Gotcha. Okay. That makes more sense now. I was like, why do there are these two companies that yeah. sound so similar? No, it's, it's a it's a new offshoot of Skydance. Because my first question in this discussion was, okay, they're making a Marvel game and now a Star Wars game. Where are they going to get the bandwidth to do that as a new studio? Because they're just uh, an, they're an interactive wing of a, one of the major production houses right now. Um, like I said, like what does Skydance do normally? Uh, Skydance is a film like production company. Um, you'll see Skydance. Uh, I think they were on uh, Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick. Meaning um, they produce the whole film, or they just handle one the of CG. The, they're or? one of the. They are a production house. They okay. make the movie. Um, they're one of the co- the companies you contract to produce the movie. Do they do CG in house there? No, they're not a CG effects company. They're a production company. Okay, so, so they they snap all the parts so together. Think into the like film. think like a bad robot. Okay, or like a J.J. Abrams mm-hmm. com- company. Or uh, uh, so how would that be advantageous for Amy Hennig and her crew? Because Skydance has tons of money. Oh, the financial part of it, mm-hmm. being able to staff up and get people in Sky- there. So Skydance was founded by uh, two a brother and a sister who went to my high school, younger than me. And when I found out that, I was like, oh, wow, that's weird. Like, how did they get to do that? Because you're like, wow, that's a success story. And I looked at and it turns out their father is the third most rich, richest producer in film. Oh. That's how they <laughs> founded that. He, they basically, he gave them millions of dollars and his contact and his contacts, and they decided to just do a, a studio. So the brother does, um, like, the main thing, and the, the sister basically does big indie projects that lose tons of money, but it doesn't matter because they have tons of money. Uh-huh. So, uh, and whereas the brother just does, like, the more, kind of the bigger, more tentpole things that do succeed a little more. Um, so this, I would imagine, is one of that those ventures, and it's sort of like they can just throw money at this thing until they get a good game out of it, I think is the idea. Now, one of the reasons that Amy's Sort game- of like what THQ Nordic did. Yeah, that's true. Not buying up stuff, but like, yeah. oh, Amy Hennig has nothing to do and wants to wants to make a Marvel game and a Star Wars game? We can do that for you. We can make that happen. Now, one of the reasons they say that Amy's game at EA was canceled, other than being a single-player game, and we should add that 
Then after Amy left, EA gave the green light to the game we're seeing right now, which is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, mm -hmm. a single-player narrative-driven game that yeah. did very, very well. Although part of that does seem to... like Respawn seems to have sort of strong-armed this game into existence at some point. It like, had been worked on for a while before Respawn had even joined EA. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing it was not yeah. a Star Wars game. It was just... A I think, player it, I think it might have been, at least with it, they had it in mind, because they were working with EA at the time. And I think it might have been a proof of concept kind of thing. It's like, look what we could do. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing, of course, is that Fallen Order uses the Unreal Engine. Right. And there are there are rumors that EA tried to make them switch to Frostbite, and, <laughs> and uh, they basically said go you know, well, now EA, EA's up. moving to Unreal Engine yeah, across because, the board. If, yeah. Yes, finally. Pretty much most publishers are. There's no reason point. not there really, to. There like, is no reason. There, it's yeah. dumb to build your own engine in 2022. Um, so anyway, one of the reasons that Amy's game was canceled, aside from the fact that it was single player, was that it did not focus on the Jedi. And it was just these rank-and-file people mm -hmm. in the Star Wars universe. It really sounds like it was a solo game. Kind of. Like, because even that one little clip we saw, mm -hmm. that really looks like... It looks it, like... It looks like young Han Solo. Yeah, I agree. And considering that Solo tanked is the only Star Wars movie to not do... Uh, Gangbusters. ...particularly well. Yeah. Um, I mean, even Rise of Skywalker made a billion dollars, and that movie was garbage. Um, it just didn't work. I mean, look, the Solo... And I know people blame The Last Jedi for that, but it's wrong. What really happened is no one cares about that story, and it was kind of badly promoted. Put it this way... I bought tickets for that that movie opening night, and I forgot I had them until that day. <laughs> like I went and saw I went and saw uh, the road show of 2001: A Space Odyssey at the at the Cinerama Dome with Jason Chung at, at 10 in the morning. And as we were leaving the theater, he's like, "Oh, a lot of space stuff for you today." I'm like, "Huh?" He's like, "Well, Solo's out today. I figured you'd have tickets for that." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I do have tickets." And if like That's the hilarious. instant I don't remember a Star Wars movie's coming out, you fucked up. Yeah. So. So I can see why you would you would shut that project down if you were if it was basically tr you know trying to ride the coattails of Solo because like there's no market for Solo. Yeah. Um, this on the other and then and then that's doubly weird because um, if you if you look at the if you listen to the the dev commentary and the interviews they've done about Fallen Order, they had to fight to use Jedi. Yeah, like like Lucasfilm didn't want to give them Jedi. Like, right, they're like we you, only, you have to earn the right to have Jedi in your game, and they're like fuck you. Yeah, but like, reportedly that was the big reason why they weren't really over well, the moon it, about Project well, Ragtag. Well, because there's a point at which I think Lucasfilm realized like oh the reason people are in for these things is Jedi. It's because like, of the Jedi. Yeah. Like you got to have lightsaber. I mean, I'm, yeah. you know, it feels stupid it's maybe, but it's, this one Jedi are one of the main things that makes Star Wars stand out and makes it unique is, yeah. the, is the fact that the Force is here and, and they fight with laser swords. Yeah. And even if you're not, they're not Jedi, really Jedi and Sith. You gotta put some Force stuff in. Yeah, there. you know, you gotta yeah. do something. You know, even yep. the you know, Mandalorian having, you know, Baby Yoda having Grogu in there, like you know, keeps you grounded in the idea of the Force and the Jedi yeah. stuff. And it keeps you know, absolutely. You can do all this, like you know, you're doing basically all the same sort of like rough and ready ragtag stuff in the underworld scenarios as any any as like kind of what probably what Amy Hennig's game was. Mm -hmm. But you've got that little connection there that keeps it star wars and that you know and early on from what respawns uh, developers say L lucasfilm wasn't really allowing you to do that in your in the game projects like you even the jedi stuff in battlefront's pretty limited do you think um amy with her next game one do you think it's just going to be project ragtag um, I think there's a decent chance you could do that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you could. I think I what I think you would you do with that is I think you change it up and instead of making it a Han Solo game, you make it a Mandalorian game. What are the legalities of that? 
Um, like as far as Luke, your scenario, nothing. Lu- nothing. Lucasfilm owns it. Oh right. Oh right. EA doesn't even EA, own that EA stuff. EA doesn't own any. That's work for hire. So she could conceivably. You could, she could, yeah. You could just redo that. I mean, they wouldn't. She could just was, make all that shit. All that shit stuck in the in the frostbite engine, but they could definitely use the same concept. Yeah. Right. The same storyline. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't think you. Use, I don't think you make a solo game even now. But like, yeah. I think you you could adapt like probably the gameplay ideas because it looked like just Uncharted. You know, yeah. It sounded like Uncharted in Star yeah. Wars. Uh, you could adapt that into like a like a bounty hunter thing or a Boba Fett thing or a Mandalorian thing. Like, do you think it would be it's smart there. for her to make that game? I mean, I do think it's smart to to do what you know best. And she's you know Uncharted has you know she made three well two really good Uncharted games and then three. Um, and three was still good. Three was good, but it wasn't it wasn't on the same level. Uh, I don't think. And uh, there are rumors. There are some rumors about conflict on that one with Druckmann. Oh and yeah, and all that. So. Well, yeah. I mean, they. I think there. That was the beginning of the yeah. end. That was the beginning of the alpha dogging of Naughty Dog. Uh-huh. Basically. But um, no, I, th- I mean, I think that's that's for sure. Kind of either that or like I don't know, have her make a Soul Reaver kind of thing in Star Wars. I'd go for that. I mean, Soul Reaver is not too far off a Jedi idea. No, you're in right. And of itself, her strength to me is storytelling for sure in games. Figuring out how to tell a compelling and, yeah. story in a video. And I would really like to see her take on... Um, I mean, I'm sure her take on like the Underworld stuff would be good. But I'm much more interested in her take on the more mystical Force stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where she shines. Uh, I can see why you'd want... you know, Especially with a company with as little vision as EA. Being like, well, you made... You made these games about what is basically a mix of Han Solo and Indiana Jones. So we're going to have you do... Like a smuggler game, yeah. Um, but I think it would be more. I'm I'm hoping that Skydance maybe said, "What do you want to do?" Because I'm sure Amy Hennig has more than one Star Wars story bouncing around. Oh her yeah, head. for sure. So I mean, she's been a fan like us for decades. Yeah. So so uh, hopefully they're just like, "What do you th- what do you want to do? What, what do you think would be an interesting story to tell in the Star Wars universe?" And I have no doubt that Amy Hennig has an, a, has a good answer for that. Yeah. Do you think either the Star Wars or Marvel game will suffer because of the other? No, I don't think so. Seems like a blot on the on the plate for a new studio. Yeah, but I think uh, Skydance has the money to staff it up properly. Mm-hmm. So if Insomniac can do Spider Man and Ratchet at the same time, and Amy's no Insomniac's Amy, been around for a long time, man. So is so Amy. Yeah, but it's just one person, man. Like, yeah, but th- she knows how to run a run a show. Yeah, you know? I'm a little nervous about it, but. It's, it's, I also it's okay. It, these games aren't coming out for five years. That was my next then, question. So. When do you think either one of these games is coming out? Yeah. Marvel, yeah. I'd say four years. Star Wars, five or six. Yeah. Or, or the other way around. Like, yeah. Who knows? Well, they had already been working on Marvel. Star mm. Wars came along later, so I just assume it'll come out first. But who knows? There's really no way to know. A lot of it will depend on when is this movie coming yeah. out and do when we need something yeah, shorter they don't, programming. They don't seem to do that too much anymore. Um, like there's not a lot of synergy anymore with stuff like that. Like, not as much as there used to be. That's for um, sure. You know, otherwise, I mean, I guess Guardians technically was sort of close to where the Guardians not 3 really, was supposed though. to come out. Yeah. Well, Guardians 3 was supposed to be last year. Yeah. So it wasn't too far up. It still was like five months How away. How often does that happen where the game gets done in time and the movie does not? Yeah, we also had nothing to do with the movie beyond right. the, beyond the yeah. cast, beyond the you know the character lineup. But that's been um, a smart change. I mean, because it used to be there would be a game to accompany a lot of movies that launched on the same weekend, and it would follow the plot of the movie, and it's yeah. just like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, And they were terrible. THQ was the king of that crap. Oh, yeah. So, and every once in a while, it's fun when you got the weird exception, like Wolverine Origins. 
which because the movie got delayed a year, Raven got to just polish it for yeah, a year. Yeah, and it came and out it came out really good. Pretty good, yeah. Probably, probably the best probably, yeah. X Men game at that point for a long That's time. Still the best X Men game. It I may say. be. <laughs> That's true. It might and, be. Uh, unless you want to count like X Men versus Street Fighter or something. It's not yeah, really yeah. The same thing. Yep. Um, certainly, it's the best God of War clone. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see that template, the Uncharted template, applied to mm-hmm. Star Wars and Marvel. Um, I think it'll work. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any reason it wouldn't if you're doing a blaster-centric thing. But I do hope that the gameplay evolves beyond what we've received in Uncharted at this point. Uncharted 4 didn't take as many strides in that direction as I had hoped it would. It still very much felt like an Uncharted game from the yeah. PS3 era. But but she didn't make that. Right. So. But I hope that she, because she's not really a gameplay person per se, mm. I hope that she doesn't get to a place with these games where she's like, well, that's as good as Uncharted's gameplay was, and that that's yeah. good enough. I mean, I think Skydance would keep an eye on that, too, because they, there's their foray into this, too. Yeah. You know, and, and they have a reputation in the film industry to, to kind of carry over mm-hmm. um they do they do tend to do pretty big and prestige things so uh i'm sure they i'm sure they want to do something that is on par with kind of you know what naughty dog does we'll see yeah. if they're able to pull it off but yeah are you um, confident that these games are going to turn out well um mostly i would say yeah yeah I mean, I, amy amy knows what she's doing uh skydance has the money to keep it going and uh you know like marvel and certainly lucasfilm seem to have woken up and realized that like oh we need to like let people just make their stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, to, Lucasfilm in particular took a long time to realize, you know, Marvel, I am always a little surprised at how weak Marvel's kind of real synergy and cash in on the MCU has been outside of like kind of basic merch. Yeah. Like it's real hard to find like action figures yeah. for these movies at the right time. Cause they ship the legend stuff in such small numbers. Like games don't come out to support anything. Like yeah. there's no timing for any of that. Um, like you could really do. I mean, the only thing that happens with that is like events that come up in like the Marvel Puzzle Quest, the Marvel Contest of Champions, like that stupid mobile fighting game. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, you'll get like like there's, there's, everything's Moon Knight right now in those games. Yeah. Um, but it's just weird that like there's nothing bigger than that. There's like the, yeah. like. You know, even there's not even really Lego games. They did that one Marvel's Avengers MCU Lego game and like nothing else again. It is like, pretty shocking. Like because normally there's too much of that crap. Yeah, <laughs> like, they just haven't. It's like gross almost. They haven't messed with it. They even yeah. you know they haven't haven't even made a Marvel vs. Capcom since that at Infinite Disaster. Yeah. Um, it just feels like there's a lot of fertile ground there, and they're not. You know, I know that. Yeah, they, obviously they made the Avengers game and Guardians, but like. I don't know. It just there feel, should be more. Feel, it's sort yeah. of like the same Star Wars problem, where it's just like we got four games in ten yeah. years, and I don't want it to be oversaturated. No, we're getting like no. three or four games a year, but come on. But like, at the same time, like I, I saw an argument about that with you know because now they're announcing all these Star Wars games that are fun, you know because now they've, that Lucasfilm has sort of reestablished LucasArts internally, so now they just have like a little group that handles licensing out you know the brand to the developers they think are appropriate for what they want to make, mm-hmm. and. So now, you know, we got four Star Wars games in the space of 10 years from EA, and two of those were the same game. Two of those were Battlefront. Yeah. And now there's like nine in the pipeline, and people are like, oh my God, there's too many Star Wars games. I get, well, first, off, they're com- <laughs> first off, they're coming out like yeah, four yeah, to seven years exactly. ac- across all these. Yeah. Second, that used to be LucasArts' thing. That's like, how it you was. get like three or four Star Wars games a year, but the trick was they were all different things. Mm-hmm. Like there different was a genres. racing game yeah. and an RPG and a real-time strategy game and action game. You gotta game. remember, Matt, though, that and, like, it, it there's was... just less games being released now. That's true, yeah. In general. Like, drastically so. 
but the Star Wars model used to be what's popular in gaming right now. Okay, yeah. make a Star Wars of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's how Dark Forces is just Doom hose down in Star Wars yeah. juice. Like, why isn't there like a match three puzzle game for Avengers? Like, why? I mean, there is Puzzle Quest. Oh, there is. There's a Puzzle Quest There's for. It's, I mean, it's not MCU, but it is Marvel. It's but well, why isn't there one? Like, why isn't... But there is, because they follow all the MCU stuff. It's oh, close it enough. It's kind of close. Yeah, anything that happens, any movie that comes out is going to have... Like, oh, Doctor okay. Strange is, and all the multiverse stuff is going to be in that soon. Gotcha. Okay. Same with the Contest of Champions thing. Like, they're going to get skins from all the... From, you know, that's that's how they synergize that. But in terms of, like, full-scale console stuff, not doesn't enough. exist. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's very weird. Let's see what Chad has to say about Amy Hedden getting Star Wars back, if anything... Um, I think you're all talking amongst yourselves. Remember that Wolverine game? It was awesome. It was pretty awesome. It was good. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised. Um, Three was Shane's game of the year. I remember that GTTV episode. Oh, Uncharted 3. Yeah. The year it came out, it was my game of the year. Um, Lots of positive stuff about Clone Wars. Not a surprise there. People saying Rise of Skywalker was fun. <laughs> nah. Uh... Uh, Barry Lomax, Fallen Order is pretty good. I think it was kind of janky, but maybe that's me. Eh, I don't remember it being too janky. I remember the combat being more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, though. the combat was. I mean, it's not on par with with you know Dark Dark Souls. It's you know it's it's sloppier than that, but mm-hmm. it's good. It works. Yeah, you know? I didn't have, I didn't really have any problems with it. So and I and certainly re- when I went back and played it a second time and I understood how everything worked, like I was able to. I think I got through the first two you know worlds. You know, when you first two planets without being hit. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's like, okay, I get it now. You know, there's, there's, there's definitely an element of being able to master that combat. Which it is, is a little Souls-ish. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not like your typical Star Wars game where you just mash the buttons and get through the game. No, you gotta, uh, it's the best lightsaber combat ever done in a game. Mm-hmm. And anyone who says, uh, uh, what was it? Jedi. Which one? Force Jedi Unleashed? Outcast? Oh. No, fuck that game. Force like, Unleashed, another. Force Unleashed is, is terrible yep. in terms of that. <laughs> Someone asked in chat if anyone likes it. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, Force Unleashed is good as spectacle, but the lightsaber combat is garbage. It's like it's like hitting them with a foam bat. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy, at the very least, acknowledge how deadly the lightsaber is. Uh, but Jedi Outcast combat is the most, like haphazard waggly bullshit i've there's people that call that good and i don't understand what the hell they're talking about like that all of that looks ridiculous it always looked ridiculous to me it's just as good as you can do in the quake 3 engine but like what a terrible terrible combat system in terms of simulating what lightsaber combat is i guess it's fine as far as like whacking a sword at somebody but that was never acceptable to me don't forget, Fallen Order 2 is on the way. Respawn's working yeah, on it. So. It should be next year, I would think. I would think we'll get to see it this year at some point. That'd be nice. Although now that EA is te- not doing a E3 thing, so who knows? Well, I, I, at least I'd say we probably get a teaser trailer at some point this year. Yep. Okay, maybe yeah, maybe the Game Awards or something, we'll see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Square Enix and Square Enix's crazy president, Yosuke Matsuda. Matt, this guy is a lunatic. He... So he, despite the fact that every gamer, and I hate to use that word, play every player has rejected the NFT and said they want nothing to do with it. He keeps pushing the NFT. Mm-hmm. He thinks that NFTs are still the way of the future, the blockchain. He thinks that the people, NFT stuff is hilarious. He, he Just thinks hilarious. that fans are going to build his expansion pack nope. for him, and he's going to give, he's going to pay them with nope. NFTs. <laughs> And all this crazy stuff. You see the weird thing going on with NFTs in the Transformers community? No. There's like this 
eleven year old boy who draws these like you know terrible like child drawings of Transformers, and there's and this this site like makes NFTs out of them, and like if you look at them. They are clearly an adult drawing something they think a child would do. Oh, really? Like, it's it's all bullshit. It's top well, to bottom. Well, Yosuke Matsuda does not agree with you, Matt. Or yeah, well, me. He well, believes that it's the way the wave of the future. And also this week, he has been on a... Well, when you're at the top of the pyramid scheme, you definitely want everyone else to believe that the pyramid scheme is viable. <laughs> right. So... Well, he has been on, like, a media tour lately. He's just doing, like, interview after interview, and every one of them... It's very he, weird, because it's like, you have nothing to promote, dude. I, well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe he's yeah. trying to gin up interest There's for nothing out. Stuff. They're coming out. Like, nothing, really. I mean, Final Fantasy Origin, Stranger of Paradise, that just came oh. out. Yeah, and that game did not... That game debuted at 10th. Yeah, that came and in went, a month. didn't it? It did not do well at all. It also tanked. Um, so, anyway, this week he talked to another outlet... And I think it was Yahoo Japan, and he said that Japanese developers should not make Western games. That Japanese developers should make the games that they want to make for their culture, and they should not try to create games that they believe will do well in the West. Matt, do you agree with this? You say that again? I don't understand what he's saying. He's saying that Japanese development teams should not be creating games intentionally to sell well and do well in the West. That they should just make the games that they want to make, that they have been making all along, that do, or at least used to, do well in the Japanese market. And they should not be trying to make these games that are westernized. And, okay, then why did you give the green light to Forspoken? Because right. this is exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. It's like he's saying, like, yeah, we shouldn't have made Forspoken. I mean, I guess if you're talking about Babylon's Fall, I can get behind <laughs> that. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point, actually. But also, like, I mean, I guess this also explains a little bit about how a lot of even their games that are seem like really big productions that are meant for worldwide success tend to feel really weirdly Japanese in the way in in a bad way, mm-hmm. like kind of you know like the Kingdom Hearts voice acting and and convoluted storytelling or the constant anime grunting in Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, like, there is a weird recalcitrance on their part to like just dropping the kind of the anime bullshit and just making a game for the whole world Mm -hmm. um whereas like you don't see that in kind of the stuff they would publish from like crystal dynamics yeah or idos montreal or whatever like you know you don't you you know they did not they did not force uh lara croft to anime grunt um i can't help but notice yeah and that does did pretty well too Mm -hmm. so um but not good enough matt not good enough no So, like, on one hand, I kind of get what he's saying in terms of, like, you know, forcing sort of this Western appeal onto a, a form of game that really only works in sort of a JRPG format. Like, I guess if you're talking about a Babylon's Fall style thing. But if you're not, if Japanese developers aren't making stuff for at least partially a Western audience, who are they making them for? Because the Japanese market has essentially collapsed. There is no market. So what are you doing? Like, it's what, exactly. What are you making? This is point? one of the most asinine comments that a head of a Japanese publisher has ever made, in my opinion. This is exactly what they should be doing, is they should be making yeah. games that appeal to the West. That's where the market is. And he does say, like, now we're not. I'm not an idiot. Now, obviously, you have to realize there's a whole world out there, and you can't just make things just for Japan. You should be making everything for the whole world. Yeah. 
There, when, when there the, is no singular country audience anymore. No. When the best-selling game in Japan last year sold 2.3 million copies, that's all the evidence yeah, you po- need to at know. At this point, you should be making games for the whole world and trying to figure out how to get your sh- stuff into China. Yeah. That should be, that's your focus as, a, as an international corporation. I mean, I don't understand. Is he really concerned about creating the games that you spoke about with the grunting and the awkward I pauses? Know. I don't know what he's talking about because Square doesn't really make those games anymore. I, I, I mean, mean, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin was one. Sort of, but like there's there's clearly trying to appeal to the West with the characters and, and I mean they're not a succeeding, but like you can you can see what they're going for there. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that game is another game that you they think made. Kingdom Hearts is only supposed to be popular in Japan, dude? Like it's like like what are you doing there? Like I think Final Fantasy Origin is an example of what he's talking about. I do think that was a Japanese team, in this case Team Ninja, trying to make a game that would appeal to the West. Mm-hmm. And it just was awkward yeah. and weird and stilted and a bunch of other adjectives that I can come up with that aren't flattering. Um, but that doesn't mean because your team failed at doing that that you should not continue to strive to right. achieve that. Like, why can't you do something like From does? Right. Like, From pulls that off on a regular basis. Like, none of From's games have that weird Made in Japan but in the re- But, Matt, the reason it is is because From's games do not include the elements that... that Flag mm. those games in that way. Right. They're not, and like when he there's said, not a lot of dialogue. There's not a lot of cinematics. But when he t- and when he talks about like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we gotta make. It's like, so what? You think like everybody should just be making tales of games, right? Like, because even Tales of Arise was like very Western folk. It toned a lot of that stuff down. Even those they, games are starting to yeah. head because that that's direction. where the market is. Because you have to. That's where the audience is. You have to if you want to survive at this point. I, this is literally, I cannot believe this guy still has a kind job. Kind of explains a few things about It Square. does explain a lot of things about him. Like, I even would argue that Final Fantasy XV was Square Enix trying to make a game for the Western market. It failed miserably on yeah, that front. I guess, I guess you can call that trying. But I think that was one of their, <laughs> but I do, I think that was one oh, of sure. their their first steps towards doing that. Is they're like, okay, we got this, what is Yeah, the, I mean, in the sense that it's, you can you can just see how like much they didn't get it. Right. Like, it's just They had no clue how, how to do it. it. But they're like, hey, American films, road trips. That's a big theme yeah, for America. Yeah, road trips, stand by me, gas stations. Like, it's... <laughs> Seriously, though. Like, yeah, yeah. I think they looked at uh, the Western market. They're like, this is what they want. And they failed miserably. But still, I think that that's what they believed that we wanted, is is what Final Fantasy fifteen was and became. And yeah. Well, Final Fantasy fifteen clearly takes place in, in like, a weird form of america uh-huh like it's an american set game when you get down to it yeah absolutely it, i mean it i felt like it was set in america was it not i mean it's called some fantasy bland whatever it's some fantasy but, whatever but i mean it's clearly like the gas stations and everything route 66. straight out of, right exactly it's some kind of like that's exactly yeah. what it was route 66 yep and i don't know these japanese publishers they need to figure it the f out matt or they're gonna be gone you can't make games for the japanese market anymore you can't do it like you you should started doing this a decade ago when you saw where this was all going. Now, if you want to keep making games like that for mobile, sure, that there's still a market for that in Japan. But if you want to make continue to make console games that are going to sell to the mainstream, you have to. You absolutely have to start making games for the West. That's all there is to it. That's where all the money is. That's where all the market is. I... I don't know what this guy's on. Like, I feel like every time he does an interview, he's on, like, mushrooms or something. Because he just says the most crazy crap. Like, how could you have faith in this guy if you're a shareholder of Square Enix? And he's going out there saying stuff like this. And you're watching your sales for your domestic games, console games, just tank over and over again. And they're not doing... 
all that well in the U.S. anymore either. What were the final sales figures for Final Fantasy VII Remake? Now, keeping in mind that that was a game that people had asked for for, what, 20 years or something like that? Mm-hmm. Not, not quite that long, but for a long flip in time, people were asking for that game and they finally got it. Like, did that sell over 10 million? I think it did. I would think so. Yeah. But um, that's an anomaly. Square Enix doesn't have other games that it can remake that people have been asking for. For The last... Uh, it looks like the last sales numbers they provided was that it sold uh, 3.5 million global unit sales in its opening weekend and crossed the 5 million mark in early 2021. I have to assume they're creeping up on 10 million by now with all the sales yeah i would think so um in chat they're saying more than 5 million copies it has to be way more than that the 5 million number is from early 2021 so it has to be substantial and considering some of the deep discount sales on that like and and then plus the sales that went along with uh what is the intergrade or whatever yeah like that's got a matt that's still way less than i thought though it's not amazing, yeah. But like five million is a solid hit, I yeah. Think. Um, unless you're well like, in Japan, it is. Yeah, well, unless we're talking about something that costs two hundred fifty million. I mean, I, I don't know if you can count a budget for this game because it was in development so long. But like, yeah, and it's still kind of in development considering there's more parts to get to go. Now, people are but, saying in the chat that's just part one. It was still a full game. It doesn't matter how many parts there are. That's yeah, like they don't saying, want you to know it's part one. It doesn't say that anywhere on a. On yeah, a cover. I mean, that's like saying God of War Ragnarok is part two of God of War. Like. Yeah. They're full games, like just because they're saying it's part one, that it's has still got to sell. It has nothing to do with it. If Final Fantasy Remake sold nine hundred thousand copies, you wouldn't be getting Final Fantasy Remake Part Two. No, you definitely like, would not. <laughs> like, it matters how well these sell. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're saying it was also on PlayStation Plus. That's a good point. Um, Nolan Elric says it doesn't deserve five million. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Cinetike is asking any insight into why Japanese gaming market has gone so low in the past years? Because their games are just weird anymore. They're not. They're not mainstream. Yeah, and like the ones that you can do, we like, you know, Grasshopper Interactive and but their Suda games 50, don't sell either. They don't sell either, but they at least like embrace it and they're, right. and they're an interesting angle on things. Whereas like this, like the stuff Square makes is just like embarrassing. Yeah, and here's the thing: back in the Super Nintendo era, the NES era, this stuff was mainstream. Yeah, because they were all the games we were getting when we were kids. This is what video games yeah. were. Times I, have changed. Right, and I will I will maintain as I've said before. When this stuff was just little sprite characters bouncing around with text that you didn't have to worry about people delivering as voice acting, and all yeah. the emotion was conveyed through really some of the best soundtracks ever put to games, even by today's standards, like it worked. Yeah. But Square has never evolved past that. No. They are still trying to recreate that method of telling a story in modern 3D cinematic stuff, and it doesn't work. Yeah. It's, um, I'm just saying right now, Square Enix, they need to find a new leader because this guy, he has no clue what's going on in the modern, the modern market. They need to anymore. stop giving so much writing jobs to Nomura. Like, yeah, that would, your, that would help. There's too. job one. Yeah. Like, he takes too long and it's never worth it. And this is a case where Otaku worshiping a specific developer is to the detriment of the actual yeah. video. Like, games. like, I'll rip on Kojima all day, but at least, like, I can play a Kojima game and understand why he did what he did and what he's trying to get at, even if I think it's poorly dumb executed or, or dumb. Yeah. But, like, I've never played a Kojima game and been like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I've what never, is this? I've never yeah. been like, why are, I don't understand what you're doing any of this for. Like, I, like, I, 
like I, I see what he's trying to do in Death Stranding. I don't think it's particularly interesting or useful to me, but it's not like I look at Death Stranding and be like, oh my God, what the hell were you thinking with this? Yeah. I see what he's saying. With like everything like Nomura does, I'm just like, what are you doing? Like it just doesn't make any sense to me why you would make this decision this way or why you this game would work this way or why you think this was the way to go with this. It's bizarre it's, and it's constant. The best thing Square Enix could do is bring some of the people from studios like Crystal Dynamics into yeah. their studios in Japan and let them call the shots mm-hmm. and be like, no, 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 no. You, what you guys have been doing isn't working anymore. Yeah, you do the you do the combat system and the gameplay systems and let us worry about the presentation and yeah. and all that. Right. Like, like it, give us give us an outline of what you what the story needs to be and we will make it something that is not rooted in some kind of thirty year old anime absurdity. Thing. Yeah. So. It's shocking to hear stuff like this from a prominent Japanese games executive. Uh, but I wonder at the how same it time, feels to hear that if you're like at Crystal Dynamics or something right now. You're just like, what the hell oh, are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. It's and, it, or like, you're Montreal, where it's just like you just went through all this shit with like the oh Guardians was a disappointment. It's like whose fault is that? Right. Like, you know. Yeah. And it's like you're like oh like what what? Yeah. And I guarantee you, these games from Square Enix Japan, I bet you they get double the marketing budget. Of these games that are yeah. made in their by their Western studios, I would not be shocked at all if that were the case. Yeah, which in some look, you're talking about like Final Fantasy VII remake or Kingdom Hearts, okay. Yeah, but like Stranger Paradise, like how do you not know that's a dog the instant you see it? Yeah, they need more games like Forspoken, not less. Yeah, Forspoken, Forspoken, I think is very easy to mistake for a Sony game. Sony exclusive. Yeah, it looks like a Sony. Exclusive. It looks like yeah. it looks like a Western game. It does. It's this is what Square Enix should be doing. So if they keep going down that path, I believe they'll have a pathway to success. Mm-hmm. But if they do what their president says, and, yeah, they're and doomed. Keep, and keep leveraging Crystal Dynamics and Idis Montreal and yeah. whoever else you got. Yeah, all any of the talented Western developers you have, let get let them put their hands in whatever the f they want to put their hands yeah. in. That's how you're successful in the future as a Japanese publisher. I know that may crush some people who love Japanese games, but that is just mm-hmm. the effing truth. And note that the that the one uh, the Japanese developer that has responded to him and said, nope, is the guy who's running Final Fantasy XIV. Mm. Like, he said, like, we are not putting NFTs in Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. Like, he's they are not doing that. And it's like, and that's the only place that they've figured out how to do this in. Yeah. Like Final you have Fantasy to be 14, an idiot Final to mess Fantasy with Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, Final Fantasy XIV <laughs> is not de- designed to target the Japanese market. No. The Final Fantasy XIV is the most universal Final Fantasy they've made probably since ten. Yeah, like it's it's great, or maybe since twelve. Like twelve is probably the most Western friendly Final Fantasy in in the last you know ten installments or something. Yeah, but like, um, yeah, like fourteen figured and fourteen like. You know, I haven't, I you know, I haven't actually gotten to any of the expansion content, but like I've seen some of the scenes, and I've you know, I've, you know, you, you saw like some of the reactions of the people who were the writer, the, the woman who, who wrote the the Shadowbringers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff doesn't play like bad anime. Yeah. Like so, what's the deal? Like you've got people in there that know how to do it. Yeah. That aren't even Western developers. Like they yeah. can just do it. So why don't you leverage that? Let them do it. Yep. Very Promote weird. the right people and yeah. So. There you go. That's the latest on Square Enix and really, in general, just Japanese gaming, game development in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. It, they better figure it out or they're going to be irrelevant. I mean, so they much, already are irrelevant. I mean, yeah, Square feels very archaic in a way that almost no other company over there does. To or me. just in general, in the games industry feels like anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, most publishers and developers have figured it out. It's so, like, it just feels like, it feels like almost anyone else 
except maybe Ubisoft at this point would have just put Final Fantasy to bed. Yeah. And called it a day. Yeah. Like, and I guess they kind of, I mean, Final Fantasy 16 still threatens to loom over the horizon <laughs> periodically. Maybe. But really all they're doing now is, is Final Fantasy 14 and supposedly remaking all of seven mm-hmm. and putting out pixel remakes. Yeah. And that's it. And and really lazy remasters of non-Final Fantasy RPGs. Or sloughing off these spinoffs at, like Team Ninja and whatnot. Yeah. Which Meanwhile, you've got stuff like, Zeno, you know, like Xenoblade Chronicles, which is way more like what I would expect a modern Square game to right. be. Yeah. But they're not making it. They're, you know, that's Monolith, who yeah. used to do Square games. Yep. And then Nintendo snatched them up. Yep. Because Nintendo's like, you guys can do things. So <laughs> yeah. You that come, we can't you come with us. Yeah, that we can't do. <laughs> yeah. And which is... What Square Enix should be recognizing yeah. right now? And Monolith is give it, you know had a big hand in Breath of the Wild and is mm-hmm. helping with that world. That's right. Yeah, one of the most universally appealing games yeah. worldwide. Yeah. that anyone has made in the last fifteen years. Yeah. by a Japanese developer staffed mostly by old guys who've been there since the eighties, and they let Monolith and they slip through their out. fingers. Yeah, like. What the hell? It's Square's. Well, that's why Nintendo's Nintendo. Exactly. Square's Square, com- Square, Square has a com- has a continual feeling of a lack of vision to yeah. me, and like comments like this makes me like, oh, well that those, explains a these, lot. If that <laughs> this is the prevailing wisdom of the people making the the decisions at the top, maybe that's not so confusing. Anymore. It adds up. Yep. Yeah. Okay, we got to move on. We're gonna talk next about ads in free to play games, Matt. Have you heard this news? So about a week and a half ago, Xbox announced that it was looking into running ads in free-to-play console games. Mm. And Microsoft actually is doing it about as good as you could do it in that the developer or the publisher will make all the money from the ads. Microsoft isn't even taking a cut, at least initially. It said it just wants to establish its ad network, get it up and running as a proof of concept before it decides what to do over the long term. Mm. Go five days later, PlayStation announces that it's now looking into running ads in free-to-play games on free-to-play PlayStation games, except it does not go that extra step and say that it's not taking a cut of the ad revenue. It's just like, yeah, we're looking at running ads in free-to-play games. How do you feel about this, Matt? Could not possibly care less. You don't think it matters at all? It doesn't matter to me. because Do I you don't not pl- play any free-to-play games? No. Really? I don't think so. Yeah, if you don't play Apex Legends, no. Warzone... Nope. A lot of these, like this, Knockout City from EA. I forgot this existed. Yeah, the dodgeball game, yeah. which actually is pretty good. How do you feel about ads running in mobile games? Do you play any mobile games that have them? Um, some. Like, they're annoying. but whatever. Are they worth it to be able to play the game for free? Not usually. But I don't think, I don't, there aren't many mobile games I think are worth playing anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm definitely in that camp. I don't yeah. play any mobile games, really. In fact, I just deleted the last one I had on my phone off of my phone because Call of Duty Mobile had gotten to, like, four gigs or whatever. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. time to delete you because you're sucking up too much space. Yeah, I mean, I should delete more of them. There's there's apps on this thing I haven't opened in years. Years. Me too, yeah. I deleted Pokemon Go not that long ago, too. I was like, oh, I can give up on that. I I kept thinking, no, I'll go back and play this someday, and it just kept not happening. There's Gundam Battle to Gunplay mobile like the battler thing <laughs> i haven't played that since december 2019 oh wow I'm still sitting here three years well almost two and a half years but yeah, yeah probably time to get rid of it puzzle quest <laughs> knighthood you have lots of games on your phone mine are all pretty much all gone now because i just don't play them you must build a boat that's fun oh i have never experienced ads in a game 
I've never played a mobile game that had ads. How exactly do they work? Do they interrupt um, your play to show you an ad? No, usually they happen between um, between play session things. So when, like so like between levels when between it's loading levels, the next level. If it's a if it's a level based thing, like you'll have to watch an ad to keep going. Or a lot of times it's something where it's like, you know, you're it's a thing where you spend energy to do a level to play a, a section of the game or to do something, and it'll be like, do you want to watch an ad for five energy? Mm-hmm. And so you sit through a fifteen second ad to get five energy instead of waiting like an hour for it to build up. Oh, stuff like that. That seems kind of cool. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, well, the, cool, the, maybe. The big problem, <laughs> yeah, I haven't extreme, played but... anything like that for a long time, but the big problem with it is that, like, at a certain point, you just see, I've seen the same ad 40 times, and it's just, it, you know, they change them over usually, like, every week. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I would play, like, uh, Angry Birds Transformers, you just see the same ad over and over and over and over again. And finally, you get, finally I'd pay the dollar to not see the ads anymore. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's how they get you. Because uh... it's like, you know, a dollar is not that much to me, but if you got... You know, if you got 15 million downloads and maybe a third of those people pay a dollar to not see ads anymore, you just made millions of dollars so off of nothing, so off, that, of, off of serving less content to people. So that's a case where the revenue model is affecting the design of the game. They're yeah. reverse engineering the design of the game to make the revenue model more yeah, To make spaces effective. for that. Yeah. That's, that to me is where it would be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're allowing that revenue model to affect how the game is actually played and designed that to me what seems like it where it would draw yeah. the line I mean, that's mobile games in a nutshell yeah I mean. but i mean i draw the line with free to play anyway because it's been proven over and over again if you make a great free to play game you can make plenty of money there's riot games right down the street yeah. matt it has an entire campus in west los angeles built on a single free to play game think about that mm-hmm. it has a campus they own the whole building that G4 used to be housed in, and that's just like their schluffy, like extra office where they have like esports tournaments. Yeah. Then across the street, they have this brand new palace that they built. It's all from a free to play game. So I struggle to see where there's any excuse really for a free to play game to have ads in it, unless the free to play game just sucks. I mean, I think because the free to play game ads uh, are faster. Like, you know, you're, you, you, Riot got to that point by building up to critical mass over years. And, you know, it, when, when you're launching one of these games, you want to be able to just, like, get the deals and get the, you know, all those ad comp- ads are, are paying you, you know, to put those ads in the oh, game. Of course, yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, I get it to some degree. But it's just, like, I, the problem is, like, most of the free-to-play stuff is just not fun. Like, especially the mobile stuff is not a good, they're not good games. Yeah. Um. I, I early on, a lot of the games I have in here I haven't opened forever are games that are not free to play that I paid like four dollars or whatever for, and they're just full games that you can play mm-hmm. whenever you want, and you don't have to deal with that. And there are there are a couple that I think I pay I, like Angry Birds, I fi- Transformers. I finally just paid the thing to get rid of the ads, and I just was able to play it normally. But I haven't opened that game in years either. Yeah. So they don't hold my attention long enough for the ads to really bother me most of the time. Um. Whereas like in constant, I mean I don't know like. Trying to think of a free-to-play console game, I'd care about playing to the point that I mean, I, I don't know. I, and I guess to some degree, if you're gonna force that, like as long as you have like a cheap option to get rid of the ads forever, I'm probably gonna do that. Like, what do you think will happen if, as we're seeing right now, Call of Duty Warzone puts ads in, or Apex Legends puts ads in the game? I mean, I think you would probably just be watching an ad while you wait for the next match to load up. Yeah. Are like, you okay with that? I get. I mean, it's not, what else are you doing? Yeah. You know? Because some people freaked out over you the don't waste ads my time if it's that were like... in NBA 2K during the loading screens. 
Yeah. People got angry over that. I mean, I don't care about that. Also, I don't see, I don't really see advertisement stuff much. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm, Growing up, I I grew you know Gen X kind of grew up just ignoring media ads and yeah. things like it's like we were very you know I at least I was we were, were taught to be very media savvy and understand when you're being advertised to because every fucking cartoon we ever grew up watching wanted to sell us toys mm-hmm. and it was you know important for the, our parents to sort of educate us and like that's what they're trying to do to you here and so like to me like ad, if I you know people are advertising things I mean I, I know people that just like hate seeing billboards on the freeway or like. That's a little on, extreme. Ads on the corners of websites or something. I'm like, there's ads in the corners of the website. Like, I don't even. My see brain it. has learned to delete them. Yeah, I, I don't I, even see blank them. spaces to yeah. my to my brown see advertisement because <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Like, I'm I know what I want. I know what I'm interested in. I'm not. I mean, for I mean, if I notice the ad, like there's a problem. Like when I you know, if I need to have to see that Top Gun Maverick trailer one more goddamn time. <laughs> Veritas, and I want to see that movie. So. I, don't, I don't remember this, but Veritas says Street Fighter Five had ads, and it was a $60 game. Oh, that yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. I don't remember that for some there was reason. Something, yeah, there was something. I don't think I played it enough to see that. But yeah, yeah there was something like that. I remember, yeah. And I mean, Street, says, Fighter, what Street Fighter Six is free to play with ads. I mean, Street Fighter Five is not a template for anything. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Like, like, you want to see how to do everything wrong. Street Fighter Five's launch is pretty much that. Uh, Street Fighter Six Freedom. That's a. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I. I don't think that model worked tremendously well for them. But they might, it depends how they think that what they they think they can get away with. Really, like I mean, you're kind of caught between that, aren't you? It's like because they're, they're clearly going to do some kind of you know in-game purchase microtransaction like season pass thing with that because that's just how they roll now, especially with the big games. And like, if you think about it, can though, you justify sixty bucks for that? Yeah, and. I don't, I don't think you could still sell it for 60 bucks. You'd have to... So, But here's the thing. They will try. If you're Capcom and you're like, we can get one-eighth of a penny per match, does that work out? Maybe. I don't know. Like, you know, you mean you mean like slapping like a banner ad on yeah. a load screen but, for a yeah. versus thing? Like, maybe. Like, and generally, you get about an eighth of a penny for each one of those ads. Yeah. Online, Especially anyway. if you're talking about, like, not just online, but also talking about, like, you know, tournaments. And, right. And it adds up. Things. Like, that's... A, yeah. It's possible. Monitor- Would you be okay with that? As long as it didn't spend... Here's the thing. If you're just going to throw up a logo on something, I'd have to watch or sit through anyway. I'm fine with that. I don't what? care. Yeah, I mean, as long as they, the load times del- aren't longer yeah, if you're not because they want time, you to be exposed. If I don't have to sit through a separate ad, if I don't have to sit through, like, you know, another thing, it's that's fine. You know, like, I didn't care that, like, you know, whatever it was at Skate 3 that had the, the streaming billboards and stuff in oh, it. Oh, yeah. And when it launched, it was just, like, 5,000 plain white billboards for the Simpsons movie. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, that was dumb because everything was the same ad, and it was the most boring, like, picture. Because it was a I white... I think that's the problem. It's always going to be the problem is inventory. Yeah, You're you never going to have, have enough varied inventory. And the worst... I mean, that, that was the worst one to choose anyway because the Simpsons movie ad was just a blank white space with the logo on it. Yeah. Like, if you were able to populate it with... With a bunch of different things and a bunch of different colored things and and make it look like a real world that had all those billboards on it that would be different there there ad frequency is the issue because like i listen to podcasts on this app called odyssey and it's basically what it does is it just takes all the radio stations from around the country and it takes their shows and it turns them into podcasts and mm-hmm. i have heard this same ad so many times i've memorized the ad Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the problem oh, yeah. with the ads in general is that they become so repetitive that they become a, de- a deterrent. And honestly, if, if a product that is surrounded by stuff like that, it does change my opinion of the product. 
mm-hmm. over time. So, and I mean, a good a good ad does get in your head and, and sits there. I mean, you, we can we can probably both sing ad jingles from when we were five. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but. We didn't, those didn't get on our heads because we saw them thousands of times, but we saw them often enough that something catchy stuck. These 1877 Cars right. for Kids. I mean, that is intentionally K-A-R-S, written to be annoying. Cars for Kids. Yep. But you hear it once and you remember it. I mean, there's. The, you remember uh, that it sucks. The, door, but... you know, the doorbell of my house is like a two tone thing. It's like, dung, dung. And like, and, and it's the exact same tone as the end of the NBC. Thing. Like, and every time someone rings <laughs> the doorbell, funny. I'm like NBC. Like it's like that's <laughs> yeah. how it, that's it's how they Dixon. get you. Yeah. But like, um, repeating the same like verveless and artless ad over and over again until I me- I've memorized it just because of repetition. That is a different thing, and I can understand why people get angry about that. That's like with the Top Gun trailer. Last time I saw the Top Gun trailer in a theater. Um, like the rest of the the I think what what was that what movie was that that was a couple movies ago, but uh, the the whole theater said the the trailer along with the dialogue like they were everyone was <laughs> people were just like saying the dialogue because everyone had seen it fourteen times uh-huh. in the last month it was yeah. you know so yeah that's not a positive thing if you get something stuck in your head like oh it's kind of catchy maybe I should see that thing it's mm-hmm. like that's one thing but just showing me the same ad for the same f- stupid Clash of Clans ripoff and they're not gonna like, they're not gonna find enough people enough advertisers that they're going to no. have enough variety of ads and that is going to be a problem yeah yeah and so at a certain at a certain point i think you're doing a disservice to the thing you're advertising exactly yep um so i i personally believe that there should not be ads in free-to-play console games i think if your game is good enough and you've mastered the free-to-play model meaning with cosmetics and other things like that you can mm-hmm. make buku bucks if you do it right i feel like this is going to be a crutch for the free-to-play games that probably shouldn't be free-to-play in the first place mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but it looks like it's coming to both consoles. Um, and a lot of people, you know, with free to play is a big thing now. There's a lot of people that spend the bulk of their time playing free to play games that play, you know, PUBG with most of their gameplay time, or they play Warzone, or they play Apex Legends, or they play something like Knockout City, the dodgeball game that we were using for B roll there. Um, a lot of people are getting in on these games, League of Legends. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they start bringing them into these arenas where. People aren't used to being exposed to ads while they wait for things to load or whatever. Or, God forbid, it actually breaks up the gameplay. That's where it's a total deal breaker to me. Mm-hmm. Where you are waiting for an ad to finish to continue playing the game, that's the total deal breaker for mm-hmm. me. So and you want to slap something up on the load screen that I'm going to have to see anyway? Fine. Yeah. If you must. Yeah. Yep. But, like, I don't know. I'll probably never see it anyway because I don't play free to, free to play. Me so. either. Because yep. free to play stuff, even when it's like console stuff, is just grindy. It is. You know, they want you to get addicted to it. And they want you to grind on it, and they want you to have, play it like you know, compulsively. And I just don't. I, I don't do that. I, I just I dropped my one game, League of Legends, that I was like that. I, I quit playing mm-hmm. it over a year ago, and I have not looked back. So like yes. the games I play compulsively are single player experience stuff. You know? It has actually now been a year that I quit playing League of Legends, hmm. and I have not gone back. Pretty amazing. After playing it for a really long time. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about World of Warcraft. The next expansion for World of Warcraft was announced this week. It is called Dragonflight. Matt, when was the last time you played World of Warcraft? Um, The very beginning of Cataclysm. Which I believe is coming to now to vanilla World of Warcraft. Wow. That's all coming like it's following the same cycle again with the vanilla, which yeah. launched in what, 2019, I think? Vanilla, yeah, did. something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds about right. And now yeah. Cataclysm is coming to the, that. Yeah, I played. I played most of it. Um, 
in uh, the it was Burning Crusade and then Wrath of the Lich King. Was those the first two expansions? I believe so. So I think we play, we played the tail end of Burning Crusade and and the bulk of Wrath of the Lich King. And that was where you stopped. And then we tried to come back to it when Cataclysm launched. I, I specifically remember the first night everybody came back for Cataclysm, and it was like we were like halfway through the night, and everyone was just sort of like. Let's, you want us to stop? Everyone just didn't care anymore. Yeah, that happened to me in the first four hours of playing World of Warcraft. Uh, but this new expansion is mixing things up. Um, it completely revamps the user interface and the talent tree systems with two tree branches. Um, you gain talent points with each level up, and then you spend them. Class talent trees feature utility skills for your class. Specialization trees boost your offensive or healing powers. They've also improved the HUD. Um, along with the new crafting and profession system. Uh, there's, uh, as always, there's a new playable race called, the, and I'm going to mispronounce this, mispronounce this, called the, the Drakthir. Um, and there's also a new class called the Evoker. And the two are combined. Combined Evokers are exclusive to the Drakthir and are also the only class that Drakthir can play. So basically yeah, they're a... It does kind of limit it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, they're a team-up deal. Um it's, they're calling it World of Warcraft's first ever playable race and class combo. It's like, no, it's just inflexible, pretty I, much. I mean, <laughs> making a bullet point out of a limitation is, is a bold strategy, Cotton. Yep. Uh, drag Theory Evokers, which is what you might as well call them, because you can't have one without the other. You can freely switch between two customizable forms. There is a humanoid visage and a fearsome draconic form to battle foes and overcome obstacles. And then, of course, there's also dragons that you can choose as mounts. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, the flight on the dragons is pretty advanced. People can actually shoot you down from the skies. Um, any of this... Oh, there's a new level cap to 70. There's a new raid, and there are new dungeons. Any of this... I, they, that level cap had to be higher than 70. That's what I thought, too. But that's on a fit, the official World of Warcraft website. So I don't know if at some point... I thought they were at, like, they, 90 or I something. thought so, too. I thought they had rolled it way back. Maybe they rolled it way back or something, and they're starting know. over... Uh, but the official World of Warcraft website says a new level cap up to 70. I don't know. I know. It seems crazy. Um, does Johnny Hurricane says they squished it. They squished the level the, cap? The level cap in the last, I guess the last expansion, they just sort of condensed it. So they did roll it back, according to Erebus Jones. Okay. Because I remember it going up to like 100 or something at some point. I thought, I thought it had hit 100 like a long time ago. Yeah. So anyways, back to level 70 now. Does any of this appeal to you, Matt? Nope. Would any what would it take to get you back to World of Warcraft or really any MMORPG at this point? Uh, I mean, you play fourteen, Final Fantasy fourteen, right? Yeah, um, but fourteen is is interesting. I mean, I don't play it much. Mm -hmm. uh, the only MMOs I even touch anymore are Final Fantasy fourteen, Swotor, and um, sometimes Secret World if I'm in the mood. Mm -hmm. um, I would never go back to World of Warcraft. I don't care. Why? So why would you play Final Fantasy fourteen, but then say you'd have you'd never go back to? Because Final Warcraft? Fantasy fourteen tells an interesting story at times. You don't think that World of Warcraft could eventually do that? It never has. Well, the synopsis I mean, for this. A, I mean, is... there's a couple of cutscenes they do, but I can just watch those on YouTube. You yeah, know, much like Overwatch, it's sort of like, oh, there's some cool CG scenes here, but the game is not that. Yeah, you know, that's no right. And in fact, somebody posted something on. In, on the site at sifted.net under the trailer for Dragonflight where they said, you know, like, they need a new engine. Yeah. Like, they can talk all they want about how great their artists are and how they get so much out of these very simple graphics, but the bottom line is the games just don't look that good anymore. Do you think that'll ever happen? Because they already did it once. Yeah. I don't know. 
Would that attract you to the game if they no. overhauled the graphics? I will again? never play this game again. There's nothing they could do. No. I wonder like, about people in chat. The they... Star Wars game can barely get me to play it. Yeah. Like, this is not this generic fantasy crap is not gonna I mean, I'm never gonna play it. That's done no. and dusted. Like <laughs> I tried it when it first started and I was like, I do not I have never played an MMORPG more than like seven hours ever in my life. I initially I tried so many. Like I mean, I played this to the to the max level at the time. We did the raids. We did, I, mean, I feel like I did it. I feel I don't You've I been don't, there, you've done I that. I don't feel like there's anything they can add that's not just a permutation of something I've already done or something that another game does doesn't do better. Vincent asked, Do you think Blizzard could make a World of Warcraft two and get people to play it? A sequel. Probably not. Like I don't I I feel like this is like the MMO space is sort of done. Yeah. Like you've got these sort of like legacy successes, but like you know, Square would be out of their mind to try to do another Final Fantasy game. Seems like MMO. It. Like fourteen yeah. fourteen is a minor miracle. Yeah. Um World of Warcraft basically has inertia, but they've lost like sixty million subscribers. Uh-huh. Like this you know, they they're they're you know, they're almost they're like I said, inertia and Everything else is sort of ekes out a living. Apparently, like Swotor makes money. Swotor makes something like like half to three quarters of a million in 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 profit or something every year, which makes it good enough to keep around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only it's the only ongoing like Legends non canon thing still in active development or production from the the pre Disney purchase. Erebus says it's a good podcast game. It's funny how that's turned into like a subgenre. The podcast that. game. I can see that. But <laughs> yeah, if I'm going to go through your cycles, but and- honestly, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to play, uh, you know, Final Fantasy IV. Because look, Final Fantasy XIV has some good story stuff in it, but it's not. It's not constant. Like yeah. you can certainly turn the sound off for, yep. for large, large stretches. And uh, Secret World, you don't need the sound on at all. That's a that's just fun to run. Some of these MMOs, they're better with the sound off. A lot of times, <laughs> I yeah. hate to say it. Swotor, I wouldn't because it is actually really story driven, especially the way they've redone it. So like you can literally just run through the story and never touch any of the side stuff. Uh-huh. So you're basically just cutscene, cutscene, cutscene. Go fight, 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 fight. Cutscene, cutscene, cutscene. It's it's basically like playing a Bioware game, mm-hmm. um, which is good. But yeah. I haven't actually t- I haven't gone back and done the last story thing they dropped. I'm a, every once in a while I'm amazed that game's ten years old, and like still going yeah it is pretty crazy um so that's a no-go for you on world of warcraft no. Dragonflight. definitely a no-go for me <laughs> people are asking how far you got in final fantasy 14 oh like halfway through the vanilla con- like the realm reborn stuff okay like nowhere near the stuff that's supposed to be really good yeah um but you still enjoy what you played i like yeah i liked it a lot more than i thought i mean i, I see what people are saying when they say it's kind of generic but like um in terms of sense of place and location, like, I don't know if I've played an MMO that was better than it. Like, running around in the cities and some of the areas, like, really feel like places. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, being in the different, different, especially the different cities and towns feel like places with a culture and a background. And uh, they're big enough that they feel like you can be lost the first time you get there and then you kind of learn where everything is. And that's really cool. Like, um, it's the first time I've really felt like I was in, like, a world in a Final Fantasy game probably since 12. Wow. Like, it's... it's. I, I think it's a very well-done game. Okay. Um, and you can play most of it solo and not worry about it. And the when you do have to do the multiplayer dungeons, you just join a queue and wait for yourself to get dropped in automatically. And they are really easy. So, like, you just sort of burn through them with the other players, especially because the other players generally already know what they're doing. Um, it's very smooth. Very easy, smooth experience. So... Yeah. 
It's, it's been, been a good, and, and the music's really good, which is honestly not a thing I've said about Final Fantasy or MMOs yeah. in, in very recent times. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. That's the latest on World of Warcraft. If, if you are so inclined, um, but neither of us are. No. <laughs> so we're going to move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about a game that Matt played. Matt actually did play a game this week. Yeah. It's a game called Norco. And mm-hmm. I had never heard of this game. Didn't even have a page. There's no page on Sifted for Norco at all. Um, it's from Raw Furious, the publisher. Yeah. It is a point-and-click game. And I, I'm i surprised I had not heard of it because it looks awesome. And Matt, it's reviews on Steam are yeah. like sky-high. Like, yep. highest fan reviews of any well game received. I've seen in a really long time. What's up with it? Why are people? Why do people love it so much? Um, well, it's a, it's a very indie game. It's a, it is a point-and-click adventure that is a magical, realist, southern, gothic science fiction story. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's made by, like, five people. Like, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a very small team. Um, uses kind of this sort of old-school 90s-ish pixel art. Um, and I will say it's, it's got, you know, old school point and click to it, but it's also got, um, like it would not be wrong to say there's disco Elysium in here. I can see it already. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of choices to make. So you, so the premise is you play as a, a girl named Kay who grew up in this tiny, a real place, this tiny little, uh, it's not even a town. It's like a recognized living location (laughs) in a parish in I think I've lived in places like that before. (laughs) Called Norco. And it's a little place, like, in in real life, like, something like 2,900 people live there. And it's, it's the main thing in it is a giant shell refinery. And in this game, it's called Shield. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's shield oil, not shell oil. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know what they're talking yeah. about. Um, and in real life, it's Norco actually is the name of the place. But Norco just stands for North New Orleans Refinery Com- Refinery Company. <laughs> um, so it's, just, it's literally it's a place named, where everyone works. Yeah, it's literally named after the corporation that owns the refinery that runs the refinery that, that dominates the area. Uh-huh. Uh, and this this goes into the, a lot. Of, like you know you 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 know, you grew up in this town and you basically. You know, you always heard the sound of the refinery and the, you know, know, the sound of the refinery grinding was never gone. Mm -hmm. And you can choose like, you know, I couldn't wait to get away from the silence is is amazing once I left town or I could never quite sleep right without it in the background. So you can kind of you choose early on sort of your reactions to things to determine Kay's backstory. So Mm -hmm. what happens is uh, Kay uh, basically bails out and leaves town and uh, breaks her mother's and her brother's hearts. Uh, by by Leaving. disappearing, and this is a future world. This is a um, it's not quite a dystopia, but it's all very corporate owned. There's androids. There's uh, there's weird apps. There's there's ways to save your memories on hard drives. It's 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 got a lot of you know advanced sci-fi Philip K. Dick style stuff in it. And she leaves, and oh, and like there's like shooting wars in the in the United States like people are fighting over resources and and the pirates kind of patrol the rivers and steal like shipments of things and like it's things are not going well mm-hmm. and uh, so she leaves and ends up sort of one of the only mistakes I've seen in this game is at the very beginning when she says uh, that she drifted east and then when she got to the Rio Grande she threw her phone in the river and then continued on to New Mexico, and that's west yeah. of Louisiana. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, that's the only thing I can I can fault yeah. it for there. 
Um, and then uh, her mother uh, gets cancer and dies, oh. and she and this you, the story begins with her returning home after that. Oh, okay. And sort of dealing with the fallout of that because her mother was and the sibling is gone. No, the sibling's there. Oh, the sibling took care of the 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 brother took care of the mother, but she was there oh okay and resents you for that. Oh, but also was like always kind of a fuck up and got into drugs and mm-hmm. weird things. So you're trying to find him through most of the beginning of the game. Oh, okay. And then periodically you'll get flashbacks where you play as her mother when she was uncovering this weird conspiracy because the mother was like um she she was uh she lived there her whole life and she was a, a kind of a, an historian of the area and knew more about the area than almost anybody else and uh had like UFO sighting stuff and got involved in like this conspiracy with the with the shield company and there's questions about whether shield had her killed there's questions yeah, there's a thing where like shield uh, uh agents basically and uh, go marvel on you but the, the one of the uh, private detectives is like oh i saw these guys go into her house at the day after she died and take out a box and i don't know what it was it so they wanted something she knew and as you do the flashbacks like you'll sort of piece together how she what she found out and how she found out about it and how freaking weird it is mm. so like because this game is very strange like a magical the magical realism elements are very prominent well, i think just watching the b-roll there's it's yeah. really bizarre. But there's things where, like, you see, you know, you have to play a little mini game where you you drive around and, like, um, you know, drive around in a in a swamp boat and you meet a, an alligator and the alligator is like, this fisherman has killed my son and hung him from a tree and I will give you, I will be, and I you because because you used to be my owner when we were in a circus together and if you kill him and bring me his skull, I will be your dog again. Oh and I'm like, okay. So I, so I went and, and then you can be like, can you kill the guy or you go back and kill the gator? So I killed the guy because he's a poacher. Screw him. Yeah. And I went back, brought his skull to the gator and the gator's like, good job, but I will never be your dog again. And, and the gator ate me. But then it turned out, <laughs> but then it turned out it was a puppet show. So it was okay. Um, wow. It's that kind of shit. Yeah. So it's yeah. very, it, it almost, it's, it's almost like a dream journal at times. Like it's very floaty and, and reality is very fluid. In the game, game manual asked, did you pet the cat? I did pet the cat. Um, what does that mean? There is a, so the, there's a cat that appears throughout the game named Crouton. Um, who <laughs> That's I a believe, good name for a cat. Who I believe is a real cat that the, the lead developer had. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, when you first run into uh, the cat, he's in a bookstore, and you can. And so there's like there's little interactive, kind of sort of quick time things you can do, like there were uh, for combat and little test things. So the two ways that happens is like a series of glyphs is shown on the screen, and they flash white in a certain order, and you have to click that in the same order like to succeed. Simon says. Or there's, like, circles, and, like, a big circle will zoom in from the outside of the screen, and as soon as they line up, you have to click it mm. to, like, match it up. And um, you get a bunch of the glyph puzzles if you go to pet the cat on the counter of the, of the, of the, the bookstore, and you keep petting him, and he keeps getting, like, more and more excited and vibrating, and the, the bookstore clerk, who's, like, a, one of your friends that you knew back in the day, is like, you should stop petting him. If you keep petting the cat... This ridiculous it basically launches through the what? roof of the, the it launches through the roof of the bookstore and she won't answer your question anymore because she's mad that you launched the cat through the roof. Of After the she told you to stop. After she said no, but the but Crouton shows up in numerous places throughout the rest of the game, so it doesn't really make any. It doesn't matter. Um, wow, so this game sounds insane. So that kind of thing. Yeah, um, and that's like very early, and like you run into like you run into to Lovecraftian god things and crazy people who might be related to you there's an implication that your mother might be a descendant of jesus christ 
Um, it deals very strongly with sort of the, uh, the the religious background of the area and the voodoo traditions of things and secret societies and cults. And there's even some QAnon references. What's this it's, stuff right here with like the faces? This is a, uh, a mind, was it a mind grid or something like that? So anytime you find out something new about someone or something, it appears in your mind grid and you can go in and kind of review all the stuff you know about them and sort of as you review them, uh, they'll branch out further, and like you can kind of expand through that. So it's like a it's like a mind web, where you sort of can keep track of all the things you know about mm-hmm. the world and all the characters. And it's useful for when you can't figure something out to go and look at that and sort of like refresh yourself. And then sometimes it'll give you like well, probably aren't direct hints, but like put you on the right path. Other thing you can do is you do have party members. Um, you can ask about things, and a little little dot will appear on their portrait if they have something to say. So that's helpful. Yeah. Um, there's like stuff with doing with things with apps and like you know apps that like you like there's a whole thing where you have to go around to this app and like earn money by completing these tasks and then you find out that like everyone's doing these tasks and they're doing it for an AI that's named Super Duck and it's just it's bizarre. It's just and then you know you also know someone else named Duck who's an old man who knew your father, you and your mother, and like just it just goes around and around and around like that. Um, and uh, it's very I mean it sounds like I'm telling you a lot about this but i'm really not You're just scratching the surface yeah it's it's, yeah. it's and a lot of it is kind of like oh, like disco elysium sort of discovering what your choices lead to and how your choices determine th- you know there are real choices that are like you know um you'll say things like oh well, then this happened da, 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 da. Yeah, well, we went to this concert and somebody was even throwing bottles around and a fight started, and then your choices are like, I got hit over the eye with a bottle and still have a scar to this day, or I was outside when the fight happened, and I picked that I had a scar. And characters will remark on the scar through the rest of the game. It becomes a plot point at times. Oh, wow. So it does actually, you're building Kay's backstory and her attitude towards all the characters and all the people in her life, even how she felt about her mother by having conversations about things. It's it's, it's the KOTOR, it's the Bioware um method you know mm-hmm. before you could import a save in a sequel sometimes they ask you questions about what happened yeah, yeah. Is, like, is that kind of thing so establishing your character so yeah. you establish sort of what happened and, and who you are and who other everyone else is you can even you know they even do that to like kind of, you make you're making character decisions about other characters you haven't met yet when you're talking about choosing what k's reaction to them was back in the day mm-hmm. um which is an interesting thing too um, sounds awesome it is. It's very, very good. Um, I saw on Steam it's only 15 bucks. 15 bucks. And you can play like a demo of the first scenario or something? the first act, which yeah. is like, the first act is a good, uh, I would say a good 45 minutes. Oh, wow. It'll definitely tell you what you need to, you know, it's a thir- it gives you through the beginning and the return home and looking for the brother and the first flashback to the mother. That's and a good chunk. By, and by the end of it, you will definitely know if this game is for you or not. Okay. Fifteen bucks isn't bad anyway. No, fifteen bucks is a steal for fifteen bucks. How long have you been playing it now? Um, I think I'm like two hours in, and I'm just finished Act Two. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I'm guessing it's probably about three and three three hours or so, depending on how fast you solve the puzzles. Okay. None of the puzzles have been particularly difficult. Um, there is some combat, but I don't think you can actually lose the game from it. I think uh, you just get kind of rebuffed and said, "Try it again." Do later. it over. Um, at least that's what happened to me. I don't know. Um. So yeah. Oh, and uh, Vincent says it's on Game Pass. Oh, it is. So so it's not. Wait, is it? It's PC only PC. Game Pass? Okay, but yeah. that's what I thought. I thought it was only PC. Yeah. I bought it on Steam. Yeah. Fifteen um, bucks. It's not bad. Fifteen bucks seemed fine to me. Yeah. Especially for what you get. So if you're on Game Pass Ultimate, then you can get it for free. Yeah. So uh, and yeah. So it's and it's it's you know it is pretty. I wouldn't call it dystopian, 
but it is bleak. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a bleak reality to it, which is always you know magical realism works best when it's kind of combined with that sort of um, starkness. Yeah. Um, and this is a really good job of it. Um, I real I think I think it is like reading someone's diary at time because the guy who wrote it and designed most of it grew up in Norco and he is sort of like there's a bunch of stuff someone in, in chat said that they were shocked that you knew what Norco was well I did some research here yeah I, but I don't know if like the person is from like Norco or from New Orleans or whatever and they're familiar with it oh yeah, yeah. there it is right uh, Fire Native Fire I passed Norco on my way to New, Orle- New Orleans when I used to go to New Orleans yeah yeah about one hour south of there I looked up yeah is. I looked Norco up because I'm like what is that it's like and um because and it is real like obviously i don't think they have talking alligators and magical people magical ditch men who uh show you how to take a boat into a into a mall cult central thing so you can fight a duck but um so game manual saying it's also on console i didn't see that when i looked online console, I, did, I thought it was only on steam i thought it was pc only but or maybe only on, we're wrong yeah only on uh yeah i i Mm-mm. I couldn't find it on any other. Stores. I didn't see it on console. I got it on PC because yeah. I, I looked it up and that's it said that's what it was. Oh, he says he's wrong. Okay. okay, it is PC only for now. But I bet you he is right though. If you didn't like uh, uh, Kentucky Route Zero, don't touch this one. It's it's very much Kentucky Route Zero. I haven't met too many people who did not like Kentucky. No, Route I, Zero. I, if you don't like Kentucky Route Zero, we're probably not going to get along. Yeah, because um, <laughs> it's really good and people should like it. Yeah, yeah. So if you like Kentucky Route Zero and you liked uh, Disco Elysium, I would say this is an absolute must play. Like okay. you, you do not want to miss this if you like this stuff, or if you like David Lynch, if you like. Yeah, uh, it does like, seem right in the. There's a. There's a. If you, um, you should know by I think by now what I'm what I'm dealing with, and you've seen the, the look of it. Yeah, like it looks gorgeous. Like, yeah, it's really I'm not, cool. I, I don't automatically go for kind of the old style pixel art, and I've seen a couple of point and click adventure games that try to do it, replicate the old sort of bad mm-hmm. 90s but the, a lot of that is real shaky especially yeah. when you get into digitized stuff but this is excellent this is exactly what it should be yeah i'm gonna play it based upon what you just said about it so mm-hmm. there you go norco n-o-r-c-o if you're listening to the audio version of game face we love to be able to turn you guys on to games that are under the radar as we said when we started this topic we don't even have a game page for this game on mm-hmm. sifted so and we'll fix that as yeah, well I we're pulled- gonna have to because i need to tag it for this conversation i pulled that off a few times i think what did you say? I pulled that off a few times. Yeah, there's been a few games that you've brought to the show like, that had... Uh, Rebel Galaxy didn't yeah, have a Yeah, that was another one. Yep, yep. So there you go. That's Norco. Let's move on. We're running out of time. So we're actually going to skip a topic that I did have in the rundown. Yes. And it was just basically talking about Tales from the Borderlands 2 is coming. And also talking about PAX. That PAX was back as a real convention mm-hmm. with people in person. And that's a really good thing. And that's a perfect convention for people to come back yep. to. I know. Five people who got COVID from that. They did. Oh, yeah. Of course. Damn. Of course. <laughs> Dude, on Good Morning Gaming last Friday or Thursday, I told everyone to go. I was like, if you can go, you need to go. Like, obviously, be safe. Take, yeah. take mm-hmm. a mask if you want to wear a mask or whatever, but you should go. And I hope to God that nobody went <laughs> and got COVID. I would feel freaking terrible. Uh, I hope that's not... The, I don't even like laughing about it. I would feel terrible. So anyway, we're skipping Tales from the Borderlands 2, but it was announced this week, and it is on the way, and it is coming for the end of the year. Next, we're going to talk about Quest 2 and MetaQuest and all this stuff that a lot of people, I think, hate, but I am really starting to come around on, Matt. Um, this week, there was a MetaQuest gaming showcase. Basically, a Nintendo Direct-styled presentation for Oculus Quest 2. And correct me if you feel I'm wrong, 
But doesn't it feel like all along Oculus and Facebook have been doing things wrong? Like as far as how it's tried to interact with people like us to try to sell its gaming related products to people like us. Like I always felt like it's marketing. I don't feel like they've tried at all. Right. This, I don't know anything about Oculus News. I don't know what's out on that platform. Well, that changed this week, Matt, because they did, finally, they did an outreach to people like us. They are now doing direct-style presentations for Oculus Quest that are just basically a magazine-style show, and they just have a host, and they toss to one game after another with debuts and premieres. And, of course, the whole thing is produced as if you were in Oculus Quest. So everything looks very green-screeny. Mm-hmm. and virtual um and in fact at the end like zuckerberg walks in and he's like hey check out this one last <laughs> thing blah 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 they're basically following the template that has been right. laid down finally by the rest of the industry and it feels to me like they've Z- actually zuckerbot fin- is no miyamoto <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it does feel to me like finally though they have joined the industry they're like you know what what have we been doing like we we know pe- yeah. we know what works and how to reach these people. Why are we trying to do this other weird thing that they don't connect with? Yeah, and you got to at least try to package it up and make it look interesting. Yeah, and I have look. I have been on the hunt for Oculus Quest for a while now. I wanted one for Christmas. I didn't get it. And are they hard to get? They're not hard to get. Just nobody bought it for me. No. I think a lot of times <laughs> with gaming stuff, like people are like, "Oh, Shane will get that for free, so I'm not going to mm. buy it or whatever." But I have no connection at Oculus, so I have not been able to get anything free from Oculus. And so I don't have an Oculus Quest 2, but I am kind of interested in it. And I watched this, and I, now I'm really interested in it because it is starting to become a real platform, Matt, with like lots of new games coming, um, exciting products on the way, cool partnerships, games that I like already that are being completely rebuilt just for Oculus Quest, like Resident Evil 4. Um, one of the things they announced in this was Resident Evil 4 Mercenaries is coming to Oculus Quest 2, which is something I am all about. Um, but they did announce like five or six big games. This is one of them right here, NFL Pro Era, um, which I feel like does exactly what they should be doing with sports games in VR. Instead of trying to create, hey, here's this NFL simulation just like Madden, but in VR... They have instead said, no, we're going to simplify this, and you are just going to play as an NFL quarterback. You're going to sit in the pocket, and you're going to pass the ball using our awesome motion controllers out to your receivers. And this, to me, is like them finally figuring out like how to do sports in VR. Instead of trying to figure out how to make Madden work in VR, they're like, no, that's never going to work. And it is never going to work. So instead, they're like, let's just simplify it. And just create almost like a mini game around being a quarterback in the NFL. And I am all about this. It sounds like fun. Um, Another game that they debuted for the first time is Bone Lab, which is the sequel to Boneworks, a VR game that I have been championing for years and years as one of the best examples. It was one of the first games to really get like the finger tracking and everything right. As far as in the hand tracking, you could pick up a game or pick up a gun, pick up a clip, shove the clip into the gun. It was a boundary breaker for VR. And now this is a sequel to that that they announced exclusively. And then the big finale, the just one more thing that they announced at the very end was Ghostbusters VR. It feels like we're getting overloaded with Ghostbusters Ghostbusters lately. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. This is like the second Ghostbusters game that's been announced. I mean, they're leaning hard. I mean, they also announced a sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife yesterday. Right. And then last um, week on Game Face, we talked about that asymmetrical multiplayer game. mm -hmm. 
I mean, Sony's really trying to find some IP that Marvel doesn't own. Yeah. For them to leverage. I and so. like they're leveraging the hell out of Ghostbusters. Yeah, you can't, you can't say they're not uh, giving it the the old college try. Yeah. So because here's yet another one. What I'm struggling with, Matt, is I. I need to exercise, and I had my knee surgery, and in all honesty, my knee is still not right. It's still kind of screwed up, and I don't know what my next steps are as far as dealing with the doctor who I feel like screwed my knee up. This looks really annoying. It does look annoying, um, unfortunately. But um, I, So I'm trying to figure out, like, how can I exercise, basically? And Quest 2 is a great way to exercise. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, should I buy a Quest 2 now so I can start getting in shape now, or should I wait? to see what happens with PlayStation VR 2 because I don't want to spend $1,000 on VR. Mm. Like, I think Quest 2 is going to be more, because of the pickup and play nature, is going to be more conducive to like a workout thing. I think, it's also wireless, I think right? Yeah, because I think you're going to be, you, know, you don't need the, the tracker and you don't, you, know, you don't need to hook it up to anything. I think you just need to pick it up, hold the controls, put it on, and you're done. Um, I, I think if your if your focus is to have some kind of like physical activity, I think you're gonna be a lot more more likely to pick the the quest up and do it rather than like oh I should do that but I gotta pull the PSVR out and plug it into the PS5 and like you there's too much barrier there like in terms of like a, if you want like more of a probably a high res high quality VR experience maybe PSVR two is what that is but if you want it as a fitness tool I think Quest is the option. Are you like me? Are you? Feeling the draw to get a Quest 2 at no. all? No. No. I, in fact, I'm always a little surprised you bring it up. Because I'm such... sick. Like, right. it makes me sick usually. But I tried it over Christmas. One of my buddies got one. Mm-hmm. His wife bought it for him. And I didn't get sick playing it. Now, I only played it for eight minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get sick and I didn't feel queasy like I usually do. And so I have a feeling like maybe this is a quality enough where I'm not going to get ill using it. Mm-hmm. But really, the big thing for me is just getting in shape. Like, I need to lose weight. And I can't think of a better way to do it than playing VR games. Yeah, Beat Saber will do it. Yeah, I mean, there's... I don't know. Do you remember um, the head of PR for Telltale Games? He has done this. Like, he was large. And he just got VR and mm-hmm. just started using VR. And now he's, like, skinny. Mm-hmm. And, in like, it took him, like, 18 months. And he just lost literally, like, 160 pounds. Yeah. Just I'm, playing VR. I mean, I would guess there's probably some dietary changes. Well, yeah, of course. Too, yeah. Like, yeah. To lose weight that fast, sure. Activity is, uh, you know, even a little bit matters. Ma- makes a difference, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I've been eyeing up Quest 2, and right on cue, they have this MetaQuest gaming showcase where it really appears like, finally, they're taking it seriously, and they're trying to appeal to people like mm-hmm. us, and it's working. Like, I want a Quest 2. I'm curious if any of you guys in the chat have a Quest 2, and whether you think I should get it or not. Um, Fire Native, a stationary bike is best for no impact. I had ACL reconstruction and a double meniscectomy. So I bought a bike. I got a bike for Christmas. And I have been riding that bike, but I finally took a really long ride like a week and a half ago, and my knee blew up. I couldn't, you saw, I was limping Mm. in here last week. It literally knocked me back down for almost two weeks. so I don't know what's going on. Like I had my meniscus repaired and the guy did like this extra procedure that he literally told me about as he was wheeling me into the operating room. And then I got home and I researched it and like every doctor is like, nobody does that anymore. So anyway, I don't know. I may need to talk to a lawyer about it. So I feel like I can use Quest to lose weight without my knee. And so that's why I'm really looking at it. And so I'm curious if any of you guys have a Quest and what you think, or and maybe you should steer me away. And say, Shane, it's not going to work for you. Um, it would be awesome if any of you guys have any of that kind of feedback. 
That's what I'm looking for. Or people who are watching this archive of this show, maybe not even the people in the stream. And if you could put something in the comments of your experience with uh, Quest 2, I would really appreciate it. Because I am really teetering right on the edge of buying it at this point. And you guys would be a big help. And stuff like this presentation is encouraging to me as a, as a potential mm -hmm. buyer because I can see there's a big plan ahead. There's a lot mm -hmm. of games coming that look fun and look how active. Much, how much is it? 300 bucks for the base model. And if you get the one that has like the bigger storage and stuff like that, then it goes up mm -hmm. incrementally. So uh, you can get in for $300. And even the like, you can get brand new ones of the 300 on eBay for like 220, like 230. Um, so anyway, I'm thinking about it. If any of you guys have experience, um, <laughs> Danny Dern says sue for a Quest 2. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Anyway, if any of you guys have experience with Quest 2, please leave a comment below either on YouTube or at sifted.net or at uh, patreon.com slash sifted. It could be really, really helpful to me. And now on to our final topic of episode 298. I told you we had a ton of topics for this episode. We had to cut one to make it in under time. Um, it was announced this week. Actually, it wasn't announced this week. It was uncovered this week, Matt, mm -hmm. that there are emulators coming for Switch that play Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games. It was leaked onto 4chan, which I have a fear that's what Twitter's going to become in the next, like, six months. Just another 4chan. That's a big Not fear wrong. for me. It's... Seems like it might be headed that way, in which case I will leave Twitter. Um, but anyway, the, the emulators for Game Boy for the Switch were leaked onto 4chan. And as it turns out, like the digital fingerprints in the file were the same organization that built the other emulators for Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo of Europe's Nintendo European Research and Development Team, or NERD for short. It's a team in Paris. They built, um, what did they do? I have notes here. Oh, they built the emulators for the, the classic mini consoles, and it built the N64, GameCube, and Wii emulation, and Super Mario 3D All-Stars. So mm. they found the fingerprints from the place that's been doing all the emulation for Nintendo. This, it appears to be a done deal. Now, Nintendo hasn't announced anything officially yet, but there was also a list of games that were leaked, of 39 different games um, that were already tested on these emulators and said to work well. Um, now, the 39 games run the gamut, like... It pretty much is kind of a greatest hits already of mm -hmm. the GBA. So the vast majority of the games on that list were Game Boy Advance. There were four Game Boy Color games, and the rest were all GBA, which makes sense to me. Like, how many Game Boy games do you want to go back and play, Matt? Any? Maybe like three. Maybe like three. Like I would say Tetris. Yeah. But it's but not I even mean, the best version of Tetris. Right, yeah. Um, Kirby, the original Kirby. Yeah. Um, maybe Super Mario uh, Land, just for the nostalgia sake of feels. His, the, the historic significance. You know? But like, really. Uh, real, I mean, it'd be like one of those, like, oh, I played this for five I played it until I died, and I'm done. Kind of thing. You know, like, uh -huh. like Castlevania, original Castlevania Game Boy thing. And yep. I mean, it doesn't come into its own until... The Game Boy Color, but really a Game Boy Advance. Like Game Boy Advance was just sort of having like a second Super Nintendo. Yeah. How do you feel about the Game Boy Advance coming to Nintendo Switch Online? Do you feel like it adds a lot of value to that subscription? Eh. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I have all of those still. Like, there's very little on the Game Boy Advance I'd want to play that I don't actually have and could play on a Game Boy Advance. And uh, if I wanted to play them on a bigger screen, I could just put them on my emulator on my PC and not wait for Nintendo to drip feed them all to me. I, I just... 
One thing I will say, too, is looking at that list of 39 games, I did realize that the GBA doesn't have as many great games as you think. If you really go back and go through the catalog, there's a lot of shovelware for the GBA. Oh, yeah. um, but, but because of the size of the library, I think you get you can you can come up with 40 great games for the. Oh GBA. yeah, oh yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of stuff missing from this list. Like there were no mainline Pokemon games in the list. Mm, um, so they charge for that shit. Yeah, all the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other thing too that they discovered is that all every game is its own separate app. So it's not like you're going to go into an app where there are all the games mm. in there to select from. Each one is its own living, breathing entity. Oh, so you can sell those individually. Exactly. That's what you prompted when you said, oh, you can just sell the Pokemon. Oh, you're going to sell them all yeah. if you need to. Um, at least that's the way it appears anyway. Um, but yeah, there's 39 games, and there was like there were only two Castlevanias. And what were there, four or five ultimately released for GBA? Uh, there were three on the GBA. Was there only three? Yeah, there was Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, and... Um... Uh, the first one with uh, Aria of Sorrow. Or did you Aria say of Sorrow. Oh. Yeah, I always mix up Aria of Sorrow because yeah, because the other one, Dawn of Sorrow, is because DS yeah, it was on the right. DS. Yep. That's right. There were no, there were three GBA ones and three DS ones. Yeah. So there's still room for. And editions. they were just put out on the freaking advance the collections. So right. I don't know what. Yeah. Which may be why Nintendo hasn't announced this stuff yet. It, I'm guessing it'll be a part of some direct. Yeah. I mean, I would hope yeah. that the Metroid games are in there. Um, there were not. How many were there? There's for... zero in Fusion. Yeah, there was only Fusion in the list. They should really bring back Zero Mission. Yeah. And they may. Again, like this isn't list isn't like the complete list or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just what they had tested so far in the documentation that they had uncovered in the leak. Um, but personally, as someone who lived through the GBA era, and like you, I have a huge GBA game collection. Um, it's just sitting collecting dust. I never use it. I don't even know where like the Game Boy player is for my GameCube at this point. I know I have one, but I have I no know where it is. It's on the GameCube. No, my GameCube's packed away in its box, and mm. it doesn't fit in the GameCube box with no. the GameCube. Uh, well, no, because the... it's what makes it a cube. Right. <laughs> exactly. I saw someone on a YouTube video arguing the other day how they were pissed off that the GameCube isn't a cube, and I'm like, bro, <laughs> get a Game Boy player, yeah, and that makes it a cube. Mission. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but personally, this doesn't add a lot of incentive for me to, no. I mean, I'm already a subscriber of Nintendo online and I pay for the extra expansion pack or whatever. So I'm not the person that this is for. It's no, for the like people who are sitting okay on the fence. Like, again, I'm, more, I'm not as interested in having sort of a built-in library subscription thing as I would be in terms of like, you know, being able to do like more of a Wii virtual console thing. Like I wouldn't mind having all the Zeldas kind of in one place. I wouldn't mind having both Metroids there. Like, you know, it's consolidating things on a system that is more accessible than the wii u mm -hmm. basically but like i don't know like or the ds like most of that stuff is already on the ds as well mm -hmm. um sold individually but uh and i already have actual physical copies of most of them too like it's just it's it i mean it's just sort of repetitive at this point yeah yeah, I don't see a lot of value in it do you think but like young kids will care yeah i mean it's do you think they want to play games like this if they want to play some of those crappy mobile things they shovel onto the eShop, I don't see why you wouldn't just throw them throw them at Circle of the Moon and see how they do. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess from their perspective, though, this is, to us, these games are quote-unquote handheld games. But to them, handheld games are Super Mario Odyssey and Splatoon yeah, but they're and also garbage. Breath of the Wild. and They're also garbage like those shovelware games. Like, they, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, not a lot of distinction made. I've yeah. seen my nephew play stuff that varies from something as quality as Lego games to something as terrible as like some kind of weird SpongeBob thing. Uh -huh. um, Where they just care about the character. Yeah. 
Although getting him the the bikini bottom remaster was a mistake because that game's very difficult. And he's that's just, right. It's so bizarre yeah. that that game is yeah. challenging. It shouldn't be. No, I mean, there's a reason it became a speedrun, darling. But like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, see, so yeah, I think it'd be, I think it would be fine uh, for the most part. I think, I think you're probably not going to notice a lot of distinction there. Like if you weren't around then, like there's enough games that look like those games of that era in terms of like a retro look that like you may not realize they're old games. Yeah. Uh, to me, I don't, I wonder if this adds really any value at all. Patrick always talks about how Nintendo has this gigantic catalog of games. And if it, if it really wanted to do well on mobile, it would just put them all up and charge people $3 a month or whatever to subscribe to all Nintendo's games. I really question whether that actually would do all that well. I think it would do well out of the gate. But I also feel like in the first month, you would see a, more cancellations than you can shake a stick at. Maybe. I don't know. Like if Square can charge what they charge for their crappy remasters on mobile and stuff. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that would work for that, for that. For But do those do well? Like, I don't know. Do like, well enough that Square keeps making They keep them. doing them. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I did do not. The, did you see the Final Fantasy VI statue that was announced? Yeah, today? it's insane. Fourteen hundred, fourteen thousand dollar. It's four. No, it's not fourteen thousand. That 14, was yen, 000. wasn't it? That was fourteen thousand dollars. What? Yeah. They didn't put the price in the trailer that they put out for it's it. It's like it's like this half the size of a man. I saw it. it we we uh, put up a trailer for it. We carried yeah. a trailer for it. it no, it's it's and four, it's like this big. And it's it sits one, on the table. Yeah, it's fourteen thousand dollars. It is a pretty amazing. It's a lot of money for a red flag. Oh, that's insane! Fourteen thousand dollars. <laughs> that's it's insane. I'm curious though, people in chat, what do you think about the GBA? People who maybe only subscribe to the twenty dollars tier of Nintendo Switch Online, or you don't subscribe to Nintendo Switch Online at all because you don't play Switch games online or you don't own a Switch, would this? Put you over the tipping point where you're willing to spend the fifty dollars per year for the Switch Online Plus expansion pass. I mean, maybe I'm I'm old. I played all these games already, so the interest is minimal for me. But for you, it may be different. So let me know in the chat if you guys are like, no, Shane's crazy. Like I totally this motivates me now to subscribe to Nintendo Switch Online. But I don't. Visit says you're underestimating the value of legacy content. I don't. Am I? Okay, explain it. Dude. Just don't say that. Explain why I am. <laughs> like that doesn't do anyone good any good to say yeah, that i mean they they make you know clearly there's some market there because people keep making these collections konami goes out of their way to make these castlevania things sonic's getting that collection again although that is a whole bunch of other problems with what they're like they're the pre there's like fucking pre-order and like deluxe version bonuses yeah. to get animated characters on them very weird well i'm not saying there's no value yeah. in them but those collections never appear in the top 20 sales for a month well like, but they also don't cost anything Barry. right it's so. right it's an easy cash grab but mm. when you're talking about hey this is a subscription that i'm gonna be paying every month i question whether there's value in a lot of this stuff i have to think that that's one of the main reasons people are still subscribing to nintendo online like, I don't think there's a lot of online play going on there unless you're into Splatoon, you know? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not much, or Smash Brothers, I guess. But, like, I have to think that the majority of people who have Nintendo Switch Online have it because of that retro service. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, N64 in past, I get. Mm -hmm. Stuff before well, N64, the, though. Well, and GBA is sort of... I mean, Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo's fine. GBA is just kind of an extra bell and whistle on it. Thing. Mm. I mean, it's certainly something I wouldn't try to raise the price of it for, you know, yeah. or, or add another, you know, right. pay an extra five bucks for the GBA stuff. But, I'm, you know, maybe they're doing them separately as individual purchases. Who knows? You know, the way they, they seem to be set up. Who knows? Um, 
let me be a nice extra thing to get for the money you're spending. But at the same time, I did not go in for the extra money for the N64 games. So. Right. That wasn't enough for you. No. no. So mm. do you subscribe to switch online at all? Yeah. Oh, you do. Ba- even the, though you never use I have it. a baseline. I play, I, I, I have the play the super Nintendo games once in a while. Oh, but you never play games online, right? No. Yeah. I mean, there isn't really much to play. No. Mario Kart, smash, no. Splatoon. Maybe one day something will come along and I want, but it's not. It's you know, what is it twenty bucks a year? Mm-hmm. That's good yeah, enough for, for some weird, weird Super Nintendo games here and there. Yeah. All right, let's head to chat and see what you guys are saying about it. Maybe it does motivate some. I actually like the guys. things they do, where sometimes they put up like an SP version where you have to like play it in a certain part of the game with a challenge added. Like that's full. That's cool. I like those. But there are periods where it's just like the last like ten games they add to that service are like I've never heard of any of them, and like I was. I was a teenager when that system was out. I should know every single game you put up, and you're still finding weird shit that I've never heard of or played or want to play. So, mm. um, Most people are saying no. <laughs> um, Justin Horman, I love the GBA for Aria of Sorrow and the Final Fantasy remakes. I already have those games and a backlit modded GBA, so I don't need a subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are saying the games that they want will never appear, which if you're talking True. about Super Robot Tyson, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, I have those. Two quick Capri. You're probably never going to get Ninja 5.0. No, I have an EverDrive and a GameCube GBA player. Yeah. Um, Erebus Jones, Dear God, no. There's no I have value one of in those. It. I forgot I had that. I, no. do have, I do have an EverDrive. And this is what I a lot have, of people no, are saying. It's too easy to emulate. So I, What do I have? <laughs> a lot of people are like, I'd rather just use an emulator to play the games. I have that little, what is that? Uh, SP something. I don't know. Analog. The analog pocket. That's what I have. Oh, I vaguely remember and you that. Can just plug, you can just plug the cartridges directly into it. And it plays Game Gear, too. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I got Sneaky it. Sneaky says, I can play those ROMs on my phone or anything, and it'd play better than Switch. Yep. Veritas, legacy games are supplemental content, not system service sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an extra thing to have. And this is for video games. I bought an analog pocket, so I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And you analog pocket, you can play the physical cartridges, or you can just do ROMs on them. Like there's that, and they, and it's just as it's better than any Game Boy ever was. Yeah. So it looks like most people agree with me. It's not going to motivate them to give Nintendo more money no. on a subscription basis. Um, you could. It's definitely a value add if they yeah. just add it to the thing. But in terms of like trying to get up the subscription cost, you're out of your mind. Yeah. I mean, it's that. like a why not thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool. I'm glad like it's you, there, but. Might not be just big. enough with the con- in conjunction with the other stuff to get someone who's on the fence to jump in. Maybe. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing it, but it's just like okay, yeah, cool. I've played those fourteen times. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, we have time for two questions in Q and A because we're already well over time. Um, I knew today was going to be a challenge because I had not hosted a show with this many topics in a long time, and I talked way too long about Horizon Forbidden West. Hmm. <laughs> Um, from Grimshaw Rocks, um, Elden Ring is obtuse and confusing. Can you think of other games that fit that description but are good games? Um, a lot of strategy games. Um, what was actually that? What was um, strategy game PC years and years ago, like mid two thousands, like after we moved to. Short, not too long after we moved to LA, maybe around the time you went to game trailers, it was like a strategy game with like where you played like it was like a little like really primitive graphics, but it was like people were obsessed with it. It was like what were the graphics like? like they were what? like like almost T figures, little little like sprite figures of humans you had to put down and stuff. 
and I can't remember what it was called. I do not remember. It was that game. a very. It was a thing, though. Yeah, it was. It was. I think I want to say it began with a T. It wasn't Terraria, but it was something like that. Darwinia. That's what it was. Yes, Erebus Jones got it. That's I don't Darwin- remember that game at all. Darwinia. That it, it was a just. Oh my god, you couldn't figure that game out for it was so obtuse, but like people would play it in the game lab all night. Like people loved it. So yeah, yeah. Dwarf Fortress, that's another good one. That's that's I that wasn't what I was thinking of, but yeah, Dwarf Fortress is another good one. But Darwinia was it. There aren't many. That's kind of what there makes was, Realms games unique. I played a few of them, like um certainly they weren't presentationally as good as uh I would say um what was it? Uh it was another PC game, strategy game, multiplayer game, turn-based, like, 4X sort of thing. And, like, you had, you could play as, like, the Cthulhu side or, like, elves or alien. You play almost any, there was, like, all these different races and they were all, and it was incredibly convoluted and obtuse. And you had to, like, study how to play things and what the icons meant. Uh, I can't remember what, we used to play it on this forum I was on all the time called Quarter to Three. Hmm. And it was... I mean, I would argue a lot of arcade games back in the day were yeah. like that. You Like the instructions, they would just have a little panel on the arcade cabinet. They would have like four bullet points, and that was almost never enough. Like, for example, Super Punch-Out in the arcade, it took me forever to figure out how to duck. Because, mm-hmm. so for the first time, like you could actually just duck instead of like the first Punch-Out. And the arcade cabinet had like a little drawing of an analog stick and it had arrows pointing towards the analog stick. And I would look at it and I'm like, what does that mean? And I could never figure out what it meant. And so the first like 10 times I played Super Punch-Out in the arcade, I couldn't beat the first guy because it was Canadian Bear Hugger and he would do the bear hug. And every time he did it, you just immediately completely lost all your health. And you had to duck to avoid their bear hug. And as it turns out, and I figured this out when an older person came in and played it in front of me, you grabbed the analog stick and pulled it out Mm. of the cabinet to duck. And I never would have figured that out on my own based upon the instructions on the arcade cabinet. Some teenager came in and did it, and I was like, oh my God. And after that, like I became addicted to that arcade game. But yeah, a lot of arcade games back in the day, Figuring out how to do some stuff was really hard because they just didn't include a lot of instructions on the cabinets in general. Um, oh, Vincent says we now have a narco page. Thank you, Vincent, for creating the page, man. <laughs> I'll be tagging Game Face to that later on tomorrow. Um, any other? Anyone else have a question? We'll answer one more if you guys got one. Uh, Cody S. Carter, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, yeah, Zet Saber said Dwarf Fortress as well. And Windaria was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and J.M. Ray must have done something nice again because everyone's thanking him. But I don't Dominion. S- That's oh, what that go. was called. That game was called Dominion. J.M. Ray gifted some tier one subs. Thank you, brother. As always, you come in and give out the goods to our fine people in chat. Oh, here's one. Here's a question. Um, Ashes in the Hourglass. Thinking about Sony's output for the next year, there isn't any big first party game announced for early 2023, which is a time slot they like to utilize every year for a big game. That is true. Do you think Sony might delay God of War, even if it's done, just have a presence in the first months of 2023? No. No. That's not going to counteract the bonus you get from being around on Black Friday for sales. Yeah, I think that game's too big Mm -hmm. um, to allow something like that to affect its release date. Um, However, I think there will be some other game that pops up between now and then that will also be a big game. It may not be quite as big as God of War, but I think... there will be a game in that window 
Mm-hmm. Um, it probably won't be God of War, and I hope it's not. Um, but I think there will be a big game, a big first-party exclusive game from PlayStation for that slot. I don't know what it is yet, but I think we will know probably in the next couple months. Um, but I think there will be a big game from PlayStation in that time frame that you mentioned. Um, it's just because you're right. PlayStation always has something big for that time of year. So uh, I think that's it. I think that's all the time we have. Actually, we don't even have time for this. <laughs> We're way over time. Uh, but Matt, thank you. Another great show. Um, if you're listening to this show on any of the podcast services out there, and Game Face is four days delayed on all of them, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of them. Uh, the show is also four, day, four days delayed on YouTube. If you're watching the show there or you're listening on any of the podcast services, please go to patreon.com slash sifted and give us a pledge. Um, we get our podcast statistics, and there are so many people listening to this show. And week after week, I ask you guys to please help us out, and none of you do. Um, so please... If you've been listening to this show for years, and a lot of you have, we have the statistics that prove this, go drop us a pledge. Even if it's just a dollar, just to say thanks for three hours of entertainment we give you every week. Like, we really appreciate it. We really need the help. I would not be asking like this if we did not need it. Um, We're really getting down to it here. We need the help. So anything that you can do would be a huge help. A dollar would be awesome, but $4 to get all our content early, that would be even better. We'd really appreciate it. Again, that's patreon.com slash sifted. If you can't afford to do that, you can always help us with Twitch Prime. If you're watching on YouTube, just head down below. How to do that is in the description. It's a little bit of a pain in the butt to hook it up the first time. After that, it's two clicks to renew every month, and you do have to renew it every month, which we know sucks, but there's nothing we can do about it other than complain to Twitch, which I do all the time. I keep asking for a recurring feature on that. I doubt I'll ever get it, but I'll keep asking. But anyway, that's it. We'll be back next week. We'll be mm-hmm. here again at twitch.tv slash games at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern next Tuesday. Um, there will be games the next week's show. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, finally, which is great. Like new games that you guys are excited about. I know at the very least we'll have Nintendo Switch Sports in next week's episode, which is something I'm actually pretty excited about. See if I can rekindle that fire for uh, Wii Sports, which I, a lot of us had back in the early aughts. So anyway, we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Game Face is up and out.